As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. And I'm DP. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about a family business. And I'll be talking about the true story of one bad dad. My goodness, how exciting. This is the first time we've gotten together in a long, long time. Many moons. Okay. Wait a minute. I thought we were just together a few Shut days up, ago. Shut up, Full disclosure. Uh, we had some audio issues. We recorded on Wednesday. Did the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and it was great, by the way. Best episode best ever. Best episode ever. And uh, I don't know. Something happened. It's no one's fault, as we keep telling Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> Really important to point out here, guys, if you heard that intro, guess who's back? Back again. DP's back. Tell, Tell a friend. friend. <laughs> Is that some reference to some 80s song that Not I should Not 80s, know? No. no. 90s, 90s. No. 2000s. 2000s. Sorry, I don't get it at all. Yeah, you you dropped out after the 70s. That's right. <laughs> so, Dad, thank you for being here yet again. Glad to be here. Excited to be here. Um... I didn't bring a case, though. Can I still sit in and just make witty legal insights on these cases? We'll decide or? how witty it is. Yeah, really. <laughs> if you've prepared witty ones, I mean, you didn't bring those earlier in the week. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need some aloe for that bird? <laughs> now, wait, I, but here, i got a comment. Okay. Okay, you have your dad on, and you're doing cases about bad dads. Yeah, this let's was, talk about. Yeah, this yeah. is not my this choice. This was voted on by the people when we decided to have you back on after you know you begging and pleading with us mm-hmm. and you know uh, <laughs> you saying please I'm retired I have yeah, nothing, I have else, nothing else, to else to do. Um, we posted a poll on our Patreon. We let people choose between either spoiled kids or bad dads, and I am sorry to tell you, sir. Bad Dad's won by a landslide. Yeah. I'm guessing that's because you have a younger audience that uh, might have experience with bad dads and wouldn't have any experience with spoiled kids. I've got more experience with spoiled kids myself. Did you raise spoiled kids? Because that um, seems like it's on you. It might be kind of a bad, bad dad, dad situation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I raised uh, two Johnson County princesses. And uh, mm. Brandy, you were one as well. <laughs> Dilly. <laughs> I've not left the bubble. <laughs> so one good thing, though, that about us re-recording is before we re-recorded today, I asked the patrons, the members of our Supreme Court, 
Lord, you good job, Brandy. Wow, I, I, I gave you the look. I gave you the point. I mean, I'm sorry, I do you need follow, the double finger point? I didn't point? follow where you were going at all. I'm okay. very sorry. <laughs> well, the point is, um, we asked them if they had any questions for DP. And Turns out, a lot of people had burning questions for yeah. DP. So stay tuned till the end of the episode oh, for those. Okay. And if you are wondering where all of this stuff is going down and how to get involved, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash LGTC podcast and, uh, you know, subscribe or whatever they call it at the... Sign up. <laughs> Sign up? Yeah. It's not a subscription? Well, Norman? Yes? Uh, you weren't even listening We've gotten you guys. We've got Norman in as our audio engineer today, Norman's just to in the make booth. sure, just to make sure nothing goes wrong. And turns out he was spacing out on his phone just then. What do you call it? A subscriber on Patreon? A patron. All right, you just you know head on over there and you become a patron apparently, yeah. and you can uh, become a patron at the appellate district appellate or supreme court <laughs> level. <laughs> Clearly, Kristen usually does this part of the program. <laughs> All right, Brandy, let's get started with let's case. get started. Okay, before we start, I, you know what? Let's. I want to talk a little bit about kind of where we've been for the last several months since I've been on. Oh, can I no. do that? Okay, yeah, I sure. Give some. I think we've had some like major changes, milestones, milestones. Some might say. Just like the Oh, we're sending out the DP Christmas letter. <laughs> a very DP Christmas. <laughs> very DP Christmas. Hey, you know, speaking of this DP nickname you've mm. uh, slapped on me. You No, you gave it to yourself. No, I you did not. Did. Oh, you no. did. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Yes, when you we did. we were children, a DP for DP. Oh, well, that was before I thought it was a dirty thing. Now, my wife, Sherry, tells me that this DP is a filthy sexual deal and not just a cute little <laughs> nickname. And and here's what's here's why she tells me that like on the on the Patreon and on on the Discord I should say yeah mm-hmm. people are saying I want more DP can't wait to see you know getting more DP yeah. and they're just making sex jokes and they're not really wanting me on the podcast ah, can't it be both both yeah, yeah I think they want both okay maybe both but it's it's very uncomfortable now that I know that it's dirty <laughs> is it <laughs> it is no, so so I was saying so big changes so first off Brandy that's me. This mm-hmm. is a change since episode 49 when I was on yes. last. You kicked divorces, but. Thank you. You came through that with flying colors. Thank you. You did. And it's one of the most Thank difficult you. things a person has to deal with. Tons of support from family. Oh, yeah. Friends. And yes. even you guys, the listeners. Oh, tons of support from listeners. Yeah, yeah I saw some of that. Just That's, that's just fantastic. And Thanks. Brandy, you have turned a new chapter and you're doing great. That's right. Mm-hmm. I am. Kristen. You and the gaming historian, also Norman Caruso. Whoa! The rumors are true, though. You guys have seen it in the tabloid. <laughs> Can you imagine what kind of tabloid would that be? IGN.com. And they'd say, who? Yeah. <laughs> no, you guys are, we are now recording in your new palatial estate here in Kansas <laughs> okay. City. Sold the old place, mm-hmm. bought the new place. Must have had a fantastic realtor to Not pull that so off. Not so much. It's amazing. Oh. <laughs> oh. Daryl Pitts, you are an excellent realtor, and I recommend you oh. to anyone. Oh. I'm good. Oh, now I'm a sponsor, where, it sounds where like. Where are you licensed? Yeah. Just Missouri? Missouri, Kansas? Missouri and Kansas. Excellent. I, I, Brandy, I can come over there in Johnson County. Excellent. Get you, get you a new place. And I have to stay in my house for a bit now. I just refinanced, Daryl. Okay. Don't know if you heard about the divorce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear about that. Yeah. 
But then here's here's the other thing. Even Sherry and I have had a big change. We have a new grandson. Yes. Can you oh, believe he's so that? Cute. He's so cute. And what we've done, we used to have Papa's daycare with our granddaughter. Yeah. And now we've got Nana and Papa's daycare Ooh. with the grandson because Sherry's now retired like me. That's great. So we are having a blast with our little guy. Uh, with the Nana and Papa daycare. Mm-hmm. It's fun stuff. It's fun that stuff. Sounds like fun stuff. Now, the only downside to it is we didn't get the house sold, and so we're not traveling the country in the motorhome and having a blast that way. We're kind of here in Kansas City for a while. And so, yeah, uh, Darren, you have to stay in that hole. Oh, yes, come yeah. home. <laughs> well, but you know, should we start a GoFundMe for you guys? <laughs> oh, that'd be great because we're not getting paid for this daycare thing. Yeah, yeah. Is, you guys are getting ripped off. We are working for free. We are we are babysitting and cleaning houses that you guys move in and out of, and that's that's not the way we envisioned our retirement. Wow, hmm. spoiled kids. Wow. But here's the deal: on the, this weekend, Sherry said. You know, we ought to we ought to put the house back on the market, try to sell it. So I put it on Zillow this weekend. Oh, you did? Just on Zillow. Wow. Yeah. So hmm. we'll see what happens. Okay. All right. Do you want to shout out an address? <laughs> <laughs> Don't, Daryl. Just yeah. just just go on go on Zillow and put in DP. Yeah, search, search DP. Search, you know, just, just open get the internet Google. browser and search DP. See what happens. They'll find me. They'll find DP me. Missouri. <laughs> So those are the those are the three of us have had a lot of changes in the last like it's been seven or eight months since I was on yeah and pretty pretty big changes and uh, we're all just killing the game we're killing the game changes all right hey I'm gonna recommend you cut what you just did. <laughs> If you can. Yeah, uh, no recommendations from you, sir. Oh. <laughs> All right. Should we get to the get to the business? Let's get to yes. the business. Okay. So we let the people vote. Spoiled kids, bad dads, bad dads won. I initially thought about doing a case that could encompass both. Okay. But it's too big of a case and I chickened out. So I almost did the Menendez brothers because is it a bad dad? Are they spoiled kids? Is it a little bit of both? Who knows? I'll let you find that out on your hey, own. You I'm not doing when the that kids case. kill the dad, I think I think the kids win the bad record. Mm. Mm-hmm. But if he was mm. molesting, molesting them, them. Oh, is that what happened? See, that's what been, they claimed. It's been too long. That's oh, what they claimed. 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 Okay. Okay. Well, it could be. Who knows? Could. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about at all today. What I'm talking to you about today, <laughs> if I can say words, is a true story about one bad dad. Kristen, I felt like you might know this story, but, um, well, you do now because we've already covered it I was going to say, I, you told it to me like <laughs> two days ago. Days ago? <laughs> uh, okay, just right off the top, most of this comes from this awesome article, Fudge Buckets. <laughs> I am having trouble with my words today. Should we tell them what happened earlier? We'd been sitting around talking for like half an hour. Yeah. I said one semester of law school and Brandy said... One semester of criminal justice. <laughs> it was terrible. Okay, most of this comes from an article by Elizabeth Engstrom for the Crime Library. Let's get going. Mary Jane Baker was 24 when she caught the eye of 17-year-old Christian Longo. Love it. What could go wrong? Yeah. Mm. Kristen age. loves the age gaps. Yes. Loves mm. the age gaps. Mm. It still bothers you, even though it's the girl who's older? Of course. Of course, that's... You think she's taking advantage of him? She's anti-cougar all the way. <laughs> she's very anti-cougar. In fact, wait a minute, Brandy. Hmm. Aren't you dating a 17-year-old? Oh! Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> no? The, the, no. Okay, here's the thing. At that age, 24 to 17, mm-hmm. that's too big a life difference. I feel like that 17, is... 17, a- you haven't gone to prom yet. 24... 
you might, I mean, you might be out of college yeah. by that point. That's a huge, it is a life, huge difference. life gap. You're Whereas, right. you know, if you're both in your 40s, you're both in your 50s. That's well, not yeah, a huge like think life about gap. like like uh, 27 to 34. That would yeah. be. Yeah. Would that still bother you? No, because that's you and David, and that's okay. Really Let's <laughs> calm down. It is not. What if? Hey, but what if he had gone to junior prom? Oh. You said he hadn't been to prom yet. Yeah. If he'd is been it to all junior, about him going to prom? It's all about him going to prom. Yeah, okay. no, this is gross. I don't like it. One okay, bit. all right. Well, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> He's the bad one. Uh, Mary Wait a minute. Jane, let me let me just ask, Brandy, huh. is this going to be one of those deals where somebody gets killed? Obviously. Brandy, they don't okay, all have to okay. be murders. Let's, let's be real here for a second. You said let's do an episode about bad dads. Of course I'm going to do an episode where the dad murders the whole family. Spoiler oh, alert. Oh, spoiler. Well, this not is, really. This is in Brandy's blood. She can't help I herself. cannot help it. <laughs> a challenge for her would be do a lighthearted case where no one gets hurt. <laughs> How? What kind of bad dad would that be? Like, oh, dad left his his kid's favorite stuffed animal at the airport, and <laughs> what about attempted murder? You could have an attempted murder, okay. so somebody wouldn't have to die. Go ahead, Brandy. Mary and Jane and Christian were members of a close knit community of Jehovah's Witnesses in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Um, I don't know a ton about. Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm looking at you, Daryl, because you're kind of our you're kind of our resident religion expert. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Kristen is aware of this. Brandy, I took two theology classes, postgraduate theology uh-huh. classes. Wait, do you have one semester of theology? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have six hours of theology. Excellent. You it's know, about one semester. Yeah, one semester. <laughs> Here's the, here's the funny thing. I mm-hmm. was I had this dream that I was actually going to quit my corporate job and mm-hmm. go be a pastor. Yeah. Can you imagine someone who acts like Larry David being a pastor? That you know, Sheree Ray basically talked me out of this because uh-huh. it was a terrible idea. Would have been a great reality TV show. <laughs> Would have been. You could have done. It. I, you know, I'm a little little light on the compassion, and so it it was really good that <laughs> Sherry Sherry backed me off of that uh, that uh, <laughs> that crusade. <laughs> that crusade. <laughs> so anyway, so I I know squat about the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh. No, right. seriously. They, they're they the ones who come around and they hand yeah. out the literature. Yeah, you know? the Watchtower pamphlets. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, they're a, a denomination of Christianity. That's what I didn't know. I didn't know if yeah, it was it's, a Christian it's with, Within based. Christianity. Now, here's the thing about you know, Christians. You know, all Christians have kind of some strange beliefs, really, if yeah. you think about it. Because Christians believe that God... Put the Jesus fetus in Mary. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> now that is a, a very graphic way to put it. <laughs> well, she she's a virgin, yeah. and so I, you got to put the, the Jesus st- fetus the in there. Story of the Bible. <laughs> Brady knows the basics. <laughs> I knew the basics. <laughs> so we we've all got some some kind of different beliefs, yeah. and the Jehovah's Witness they're good good folks. They they believe yeah. good stuff. And and they're really Randy. Out. Are these going to be good folks here? Ooh, talking like, about today? I, I already okay. told you that he murdered his whole family. So. Well, <laughs> but you know, he can be forgiven. Hmm. I hope. Jehovah's Witnesses turns out not real big on forgiveness, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, so, like I said, I don't know a lot about the Jehovah's Witnesses. I know that they don't celebrate holidays, and they do what you talked about. They go door to door, hand out literature, spread the good word, and they're. This particular group, I think Jehovah's Witnesses as a whole, but I don't, I don't claim to be an expert on that, um, were super conservative. And so it was 
a big deal to date at all inside this community. But Christian and Mary Jane were quite smitten with each other, despite the age gap, all of it. And when Christian turned 18, he told his parents he was very interested in courting Mary Jane. And they told him, no, you're too young. They... Okay, the way it's phrased in this article is like they told him he was too young to date at all. But I'm guessing if he was like, I want to date a fellow 18-year-old, they probably would have said something different. Okay. Don't, don't you imagine? I mean, maybe. I, don't <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. The cougar aspect bothered them just as much as it bothers Kristen. Yeah. yeah. So he, but he was not going to be dissuaded. He was like, this is, this is it for me. I'm into her. She's into me. So he moved out of his house set out on his own, got a job at a camera store and started dating Mary Jane. Mary Jane had lived a super sheltered life. She was super sweet and upstanding and a devoutly religious woman. She was sure of her purpose in life from a very young age. She was sure that she was meant to be a wife and a mother. She wanted that picture perfect home and family. She wanted to marry a religious man and dote on him, be the ideal Christian wife and mother. You know, that's that's a positive spin. But my thought here is that she wanted a young guy that she could mold in her the way she wanted her husband to be. And that's just... Okay, my, my more charitable view, I'm wondering... If you're in this relatively small religious community, you want to marry within that religious mm-hmm. community. Slim Pickens? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. He may have been the best one going. Well, and by all accounts, he's super attractive, super charming. I know I know the type. I know the type. <laughs> Did you just raise your hand? I, when you said super attractive, I raised my hand. You know, it's a good thing this isn't on YouTube. Well, I guess it, the, the audio is on YouTube. Yeah, the it's a good thing that the video is not on YouTube because... Picture me as a really good-looking guy. Yeah. Mm, mm. Mm. You want to compare yourself to someone? Um, who is that guy? We, we talked about a guy. Larry who I, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's, I was thinking uh, Matthew McConaughey. Is oh. That, oh, yeah. Oh, Bradley Cooper. That's Bradley who Cooper. Was. Bradley yeah, Cooper. So we talked the about. the last episode you were on. We, he was going to play me in my Cooper. life story. Uh-huh. Bradley Cooper. That's the mm. one. Thank you. Thank you, Brandy. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So Brandy says I look like. Bradley Cooper. Is that what I said? Kristen, <laughs> Kristen, who do you think I look like? Um, okay, it's interesting. I did look at some of the questions people asked. Yeah. This is one of the questions. One who of the questions was, who would play you in a movie? And I have always thought, and Kyla thinks this too, Brandy, yes. do you remember it was one of the guys in Titanic, not the captain of the ship with the beard, but the guy with the kind of dark, obviously... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, at the time, looked... I don't yeah. remember what his name is. I know who you're talking He does look like me a yes. little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, there, I've been mistaken for two famous people in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is when... I didn't Larry actually Bird hear it. Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I have been mistaken for Art Garfunkel. Ooh. Ooh, I could absolutely see that. Hold on, I'm looking him up. Art Garfunkel. Well, you've heard of Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, but okay, I... he's the much much less famous of the two. And then, oh uh, gosh, it's <laughs> not a compliment. It's <laughs> not a compliment. Hey, I'm not a good looking guy, Kristen. <laughs> and the other one is uh, John McEnroe. Oh, I could also see that. Yeah, look up John McEnroe. He's a tennis player. I know. Okay. So Sherry and I were in a mall one time. I and this is that's that. a sport with a ball and a racket. <laughs> we're in this mall like 30 years ago, and Sherry hears somebody talking and saying, 
I think that's Art Garfunkel here in the, <laughs> in the Bannister Mall in Kansas City. Yeah, right. Well, he had fallen on some hard times, so it was possible. <laughs> I, and I don't remember where the McEnroe thing came from. Um, Were you yelling at somebody? <laughs> it could have been. Were I you was throwing screaming. tennis rackets? You're an idiot. <laughs> and then a lady I worked with at Hallmark one time said I was like the, who was the full house dad? Bob Saget? Oh, Bob Saget. Bob Saget said I look like Bob Saget. I think Bob Saget's got a big nose. Like, oh, he does have a big nose. Yeah. But that's, that's it. And though. I don't have a big nose. That's what's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brandy, I'm going to keep a head-on look so you can't see my profile. <laughs> yeah, because you can't see the toucan if he stares right at you. <laughs> oh, toucan. Wow. Oh, oh, burn. Ooh. I got mom's nose. Oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> what did Kyla get? Kyla got yours. Oh, oh Kristen, don't laugh. She wins, she, Kyla wins the lottery. Kyla <laughs> wins the lottery. All right, back to my story here. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, so Mary Jane was working as a secretary when she met Christian, and almost immediately the two hit it off. They were smitten with each other. As a devout follower of Jehovah, uh, Mary Jane did her duty and every Wednesday went door to door spreading the good word. <laughs> when she said she did her duty, I thought it was wifely duty. I thought Ew, maybe we were gross. Getting, you know, sexy times. Gross. I'm sorry. That's what I thought. They're not even said- married yet. First of all, that would be. He's not oh. even out of high school. He's, oh. he's 18 now, Kristen. Well, congrats to him. <laughs> And Christian, in a, an effort to be able to just spend more time with her, started joining her on her Wednesday routes. And she saw this as proof that he was the Christian man of her dreams. But really, he just wanted to be with her. He was not a devout Jehovah's Witness like she was. Okay. And if she would have maybe been like less in a love cloud, she might have noticed that there were things going on that she shouldn't have turned a blind eye to, like the fact that he was caught stealing from his employer while they were dating. And that did not sit well with the church elders, obviously. They were like, shame on you. Um, you brought shame upon our good name and whatever. And so by this time, Chris and Mary Jane had decided to marry and they were the church refused to let them marry in the church. Because he stole something? Because he stole from his employer. Wow. Yeah, I told you, Jehovah's Witnesses is not real big on forgiveness. They are. Yeah, that's a strict deal. It is. It is. And Mary Jane's parents refused to give their blessing to the marriage. But as I mentioned, Christian, super charismatic, super charming. She went, or she, he went and sat down with Mary Jane's parents. And by the time that they left, they had given their blessing. And the two were married in 1993 in like the high school auditorium since they couldn't have the church. Well, and that sounds sad. Chris had the hookup, right? They got married at the senior prom. <laughs> It was March of 1993. By 1996, uh, Mary Jane was pregnant with their first child. They welcomed uh, their first son, a boy named Zachary, in February of 1997. um, And then very quickly added a daughter to the family. 14 months later, they named her Sadie. At that point, Mary Jane quit her secretary job to become a full-time wife and mother. It was her dream life. It was what she'd always wanted. And 18 months after that, in October 1999, they added a third child, another little girl that they named Madison. Mary Jane was living her dream. She was building a home and a family and taking care of her husband. And 
they had all the things they needed, nice clothes, a nice place to live. Christian kind of just like worked intermittently at different places, um, but he always brought home money. There was always food on the table. Mary Jane didn't ask a lot of questions about where it came from. Uh Uh-oh. I'm suspicious. Oh, are you? Yeah. And not because he just heard this story three days ago. No, no. I'm just suspicious. This guy sounds like a little bit of a loser who always has cash on hand. Yeah. He's selling drugs or something. Uh, No, he's just like pilfering money from anywhere he can. He's stealing money from every employer he's ever had. He steals items and sells them, pawns them, whatever. Any way to bring home cash, he'll do it. He has no... No, uh, no problem with any of that. Your to tax him, bill is a lot lower when you steal stuff. Too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, to him, it was his duty to provide and provide well for his family. It didn't really matter how he did it, and he was like the king of justifying things to himself. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, this is how I have to do it now to get by, but everything's going to turn around, and then I'll pay back everybody that I've stolen from, and everything's going to be fine. Because he was taking meticulous notes on all this stuff, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Yeah. By January of 2000, things are starting to pile on Christian pretty bad. The baby by that time was a couple months old, um, and... Christian was out of a job. I, unclear to me if he was fired for stealing, but he was always getting a new job. So he was like, you know, you know, nobody wants to keep me on as an employee, so I might as well just start my own company. So he starts his own company, um, Final Touch Construction Cleaning, which actually I think this is a great idea for a business. It was a, a cleanup company that would take a newly constructed building or home or whatever and do all of the final cleanup before it was turned over to the new owners. And at that time, it was kind of a, a booming business, like uh, the... There was lots of thing, lots of development growing on, going on in the Michigan area where they were living, and so the company did pretty well. But it required a lot of labor, and so he had to hire a lot of employees. And soon his payroll was out of control, and he was not great with money, if you can imagine that. <laughs> and he was bouncing payroll checks. He was not having a great time. Mm-hmm. And he just really felt like Mary Jane deserved a new car. <laughs> these, were, these were the things that were important to him. That's the first thing that pops into my mind when you've got no money. Yeah. yeah. I think now's the time for a new car. And so in February of 2000, a man with an, a driver's license that said Jason, no, Jason Joseph Fortner, who happened to look a lot like Christian Longo, went <laughs> to a, a, a Pontiac dealership in Ohio and took a minivan for a test drive and never came back. (laughs) I actually think this is not a bad plan. (laughs) He went far enough away from home that he wouldn't be recognized. He gave them a fake ID under a fake name and, uh, yeah, drove the car back home. Randy, there's a lot you're admiring here. You like his business idea. No, 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 no. You like his plan for getting (laughs) new cars. No, no, (laughs) no. Brandy, can we see the license and registration on your car? (laughs) I'm, that is I'm mine, wondering. and it's paid for. Thank you very much. Oh, mm. sorry, Dad. Yeah, but you're. She you said are, that in such a charming way. You're really convinced, aren't <laughs> <yeah>. you, <laughs> Kristen? Kristen, I'm with you on this. Brandy is really admiring this Christian guy. I am guy not a admiring lot. Christian one just, bit. Just for his financial skills. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and when uh, when he showed up at his Ypsilanti home with a brand new minivan uh, and promptly took 
the license plate off of their old crappy car and put it on, Mary Jane didn't ask any questions. She was just come on, Mary Jane. Please just punch to have a to have a brand new minivan. And I'm guessing he kept the old car so it wouldn't get re-registered. Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy, mm-hmm. hey, he's, he's thought this through a little bit. Daddy's won you over too. <laughs> but things were getting out of control. He was bouncing checks. He was forging checks on customers' accounts. It was not long before all of this caught up to him. And at the same time, he had an extramarital affair, which very frowned upon, I think, just, you know, in society, but also with the (laughs) Jehovah's Witnesses. We're going back to that cheaters episode, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At some point, he manages to try, like, get a line of credit. I believe he took it out in his father's name, forged a document saying either that he was his father or that he had his father's permission, took out a line of credit of, like, $100,000 and kind of, like, caught up some of the things that were piling up, but... Good grief. Yeah. I mean, I think it's nuts that he managed to even get that line of credit. I mean, it speaks a little bit to how charming he was and how I really do not mean to keep complimenting. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. I got a question on this. Did did his dad know that he had given him the line of credit or is that a stolen? No, no, no. no, Yeah. He stole his dad's identity. It's June of 2000 now and Christian is just drowning in debt. And to try and keep up with it, he knows. So he's been forging these checks on his his customers' accounts, and he knows that that's going to catch up to him. So he like makes one last ditch effort to get as much as he as he can out of them. His biggest customer was this um, company called Wexford Builders, and he forged like five checks from them totaling over thirty thousand dollars. And they called the police, mm-hmm. and. Christian was actually in the act of trying to cash one of these checks when it was like flagged at the bank and the police showed up and arrested him. But cool, calm and collected Christian had a perfectly reasonable explanation. This was just money that was owed to him. He had sent this customer of his Wexford builders multiple invoices and they were just taking too long to pay him. This was money that was owed to him. This is the definition of white privilege. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about this guy, right. but I know he's white because yeah. only a white guy. And, and you're going to tell us he got out of this somehow. Uh, he, yeah, got out of it with way, way less than I can believe. Yeah. Yeah. So he he was arrested and Mary Jane came and picked him up from the police department. And by all accounts, like, wasn't that surprised that he'd been arrested? But, you know, whatever. And so he went to court for this and he um, pled guilty and admitted to everything that he'd done. But he had no priors. And so he got off with three years of probation, some community service and a small amount of restitution. Unreal. For over $30,000. How do you how do you get small restitution? I mean, if you see the thirty, you got to start with paying back thirty, right? I don't know. I no, not always. Wow. Because I think they kind of go for like what they think is actually like you know what they realistic. Yeah, what you can yeah. what you can get out of that person. Yeah. But the biggest punishment was yet to come. Remember what I said about the Jehovah's Witnesses? They're not big on forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Christian was disfellowshipped from the Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses. 
So this is the Jehovah's Witnesses version of shunning. He was completely disowned by the church and its members. According to the Jehovah's Witnesses, shunning is like an act of love. It is intended to inspire a change in a person, bring them back to the way of right living to, uh, you know, get right with the Lord again. With the Lord. Get right with the Lord. Well, here's the other thing it does. If it doesn't take, they're gone. Yeah, so we don't exactly. have to deal with them anymore. It's occurring to me now, though, they're the only ones who had this guy figured out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, That's the, amazing to his, me. His wife oh, yeah. didn't figure it out. Yeah. Well, they could be more objective. Do you think she didn't figure it out? I think she knew to some degree what he was up to. I bet she knew to some degree, but I think it's got to be really hard when you, you are... Completely reliant on that yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. You're a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. You're deeply religious. You, mm-hmm. you know, I imagine divorce was not an option for her. Yeah. Oof. I wonder what her parents thought. I wonder if they were oh, kind of in tune saying, come on, honey, come back home. We'll take care of the grandkids. We'll do Nana Papa daycare here and we'll take care of everything. And I, and I think to some degree they were, um, but... Mary Jane was, you know, a big fan of that country, that old country standard. Stand by Stand your man. Stand by your man. You going to sing that for us? No. <laughs> I am not. Kristen? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> so they were completely alienated from everyone they knew. Christian's own family would not speak to him. Wow. That's pretty All harsh. of his employees at his business were members of the church, and so they all left. He lost everything. All that he had left was... A shit ton of debt, his wife, his three kids, and they did own a home in Ypsilanti, so they decided it was time for a new beginning. They sold that home and jumped his probation and left town. They moved into a warehouse Hmm. in Toledo, Ohio, with about $8,000 in their pocket. It was like the profit they made off of the house sale. Um, In addition to that $8,000, they had... I said they. Christian had managed to lift some heavy equipment along the way. He had a construction trailer, a forklift, a boat and trailer, and then the Pontiac minivan. Those were all of their belongings. They moved it into this warehouse, and he set up a little shop to sell his stolen wares. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of eBay center. (laughs) The warehouse was 1600 1600 bucks a month in rent, and he had $8,000 and five mouths to feed. And so you can imagine he went through that pretty quickly. So he was like, I got to offload this equipment real quick. But it backfired on him because one of, one of the stolen items was a forklift, as I mentioned, and it was valued at like $32,000. And he's trying to sell it to this guy for $5,000. And the guy's like, hmm seems too good to be true. And so this guy calls the police. And so the police um, in August of 2001 show up at the warehouse and they get the serial numbers off of all of the equipment that's in the warehouse and failed to notice that all of their belongings had been packed up into the van and that the whole family was sitting in the van (laughs) like ready to jump on out of there. But uh, the initial search of the serial numbers... Came back fine. No, nothing had been reported stolen. <laughs> stolen. Oh my lord! Oh my lord! <laughs> well, if he would have 
like ask a reasonably higher price, like twenty five thousand. I know. He, although I assume with that, it's. I like, think he, he was have so desperate for money that he yeah, thought, yeah. I got it. First idiot that walks in here with five thousand. Five thousand dollars. Yeah. 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 But that does send off red flags. Oh yeah. So the police officers like, well, you know, don't leave town. I'm going to be checking up on this. Well, the, as soon as he pulls out of the parking lot, they're off for the <laughs> for the West Coast as far as they can go. And all of the stuff came back stolen like a couple days later. It just had not been reported stolen yet. And so they show back up at the warehouse, the police do, and it's empty. <laughs> they're like, man, <laughs> all, man, the nerve to leave. All the equipment is there. Yeah, they they left the, all the stolen equipment behind, but the longos are nowhere to be found. Have they caught up with him on this stolen vehicle yet? No! They're, nobody's checking He's the vehicle? He's still driving the stolen minivan! You know, the police, when they show up and something seems sketchy, check the uh, numbers on that van, too. That should have happened. Uh, yeah, it didn't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so they head west. They stop off for a few days in South Dakota. They ditch a rental truck that they'd stolen along the way somewhere. And then they keep heading west, and they end up in... Somewhere in Oregon. I couldn't be- begin to pronounce this town. Portland. No. <laughs> it's either your cats or your chats. <laughs> Yockets. I'm not sure. I like your cats. Your cats. <laughs> and they end up there in September of 2001. But you guys, the Longos weren't running away. That's not how Christian saw this at all. He was giving his family a fresh start. Hmm. It's a relocation deal. Oh. It's not running away. It's relocation. Yeah. And remember I said, you know, he's the he's the king of justifying things to himself. He's going to pay all of that stuff back, of guys. Of course. He just needs a little time, a little breathing room to get it figured out. And a ton of cash. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I've, I've got the pronunciation. Oh, what oh. is it? Yahats. What? Bullshit, yachts. <laughs> okay, so in case the mic didn't pick that up, Norman just jumped in with the correct pronunciation. It's yachts. And that's what... I think he was I just think, complimenting you, Chris. Yeah, no, it was me. It was me. <laughs> People are always saying to me, yachts. <laughs> and I say, I know, I know. So they land at this, uh, like, weekly vacation rental place in Oregon. It's like little little houses but it's like $300 a week for these houses and he tells some sob story about how they're just getting started and now he's waiting for his paycheck to come through on his new job and blah 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 and so they like give him a little bit of time to pay and of course he he pays for a couple weeks because he had a little bit of cash because he had pawned Mary Jane's wedding ring by this point (laughs) yeah Um, but the money runs out super quick and all of a sudden they find themselves in a $22 $22 a night motel. Ooh. And this... That's a good price. What I've, was uh, the hourly rate on cool. that? <laughs> <laughs> so this is it for Christian. He has had enough. His family deserves better than this. They're going to stay in some roachy motel and eat noodles for dinner every night. No. He, he has got to find a solution. Now what a lot of people would do under these circumstances would they would you know get a job get a job you know kind of do some soul searching figure uh-huh. out what led them to this place <laughs> introspection mm. nope nope mm. that's not what christian did <laughs> christian came up with a solution and it was fake it till you make it 
He found this luxury apartment building that he wanted his family to live in. If they could just live there, everything would fall into place. And so he did finally get a job at Starbucks making $1,200 a month. And then he negotiated the rent down at the fancy new apartment to $1,200 a month. <laughs> and that's all to you consider need. all the other living expenses there might be. This sounds like cons- a 13-year-old is being an adult for a for right? first time. Yeah, it's like, oh, great, $1,200, $1,200. Everything will work out perfectly. Wait a minute, he's going to steal another $1,200. What oh, are you easy, thinking? right? He, he, Fortune idea. checks. I, th- I actually think that maybe he thought he was so charming he'd be able to make that in tips. Oh, Ooh. I mean, do, do I don't? I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't even know what Starbucks. How yeah, baristas it works. make yeah. tips, so yeah. you throw it into a can, but then you got to share it with all the other baristas. Yeah, they tip share. Right. Yeah, but you oh. know he wasn't sharing. Oh yeah, <laughs> he says I got the tips. Handled. Yeah, you know he was yeah. like, "Oh guys, low take today, twelve bucks. Everybody yes. gets thirty-seven cents." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so no, seriously, he he yeah he had in his mind. I'm working retail. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people probably paying cash. Oh yeah, I can tips. I'm going to steal that absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, he had it figured out. Yeah. But it wasn't long before it all would just catch up with him again. It's like December of 2001 by this point. One night Christian came home from work. He'd just gotten paid two days before and they were already out of money. He opened the fridge, try and make himself something for dinner. Not a bit of food in the house. He thought... This isn't, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what my family deserves. That was December 14th. On December 18th, a employee at that motel where the Longos had lived for a while found some belongings that, uh, like personal belongings of the Longos in a dumpster on the property. Found baby books, family photos, clothing. And so Christian had left some kind of forwarding address or they knew that he had worked at the Starbucks there in town. And so they called and left a message at Starbucks for him saying, you know, we found a bunch of your stuff. You guys must have left it behind. I don't really know. It made it out to the trash. We'll move it into the office for you guys. You know, come and get it whenever. Christian never picked up the belongings. On December 19th, Christian told his co-workers that Mary Jane had been having an affair. It had been going on for three years and that she had taken the kids and moved back to Michigan. She wow. was going to make a life. I'm not remembering this part of the story. I didn't realize no, he she told gonna, this bullshit. She was okay. going to make a life with that person. Uh-huh. His wife and his kids were gone. He they was devastated, wasn't he? They wouldn't be back. Mm. No. No, because she, she's got the boyfriend. How could he be so certain? Well, she's got the boyfriend, Kristen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That same day, a Dodge Durango was discovered missing from a dealership in Portland, Oregon. Left in its place... Oh, that minivan. It was a red Pontiac minivan. No. You know, why'd he he dump it? They hadn't caught up with him with that thing. (laughs) (laughs) On December 19th, the body of a boy, suspected to be around four years of age, floated up in the lint slough. This is apparently some kind of estuary off of a river in the area. I've never heard of a slough, but... Sounds like a really weird name for a body of water, but 
like if this is an area there was like a bridge and then this body of water and this body of a four-year-old boy floated to the surface on December 19th, 2001. Mm. Three days later, divers found the body of a younger girl. Further down in the same water, she had been weighted down by a pillowcase full of rocks that had been tied around her ankle. Right next to her, they found another pillowcase with a rope attached. They believed that it had been tied to the boy's ankle. Also in the water was a sleeping bag full of rocks. After the second body was found, police distributed posters with pictures of what the children would have looked like when they were alive. And almost immediately, a babysitter who had often babysat for the Longos recognized the children. They were Zachary and Sadie, the Longos' four-year-old son and three-year-old daughter. She, this babysitter went to the morgue, identified the bodies, and an autopsy would later note that the cause of death was drowning. The kids had been weighted down with pillowcases, put inside a sleeping bag full of rocks, and thrown over the bridge while they were still alive. See, up till now, you just knew he was a bad guy, and now you think, this is a sick son of a bitch right here. Absolutely. Yeah. He went from, you know, loser to yeah. sick son of a bitch. Yeah. So the police go to the Longo's apartment building, and the apartment's completely empty. Of course, the police wanted to speak to the parents, but they were nowhere to be found. And where was the baby? There was another child of the Longos missing. Um, the youngest would have been 18 months, two years old, something like that at this point. So divers continued searching the water um, in that same area. And further down river, actually in a bay, the Yakina Bay near, actually really close to where the Longos apartment was, they found two green suitcases in the water. And when they pulled them out, inside one was the body of Mary Jane Longo. And in the other was the body of Madison, the baby. They had both been strangled. Hmm. This left only Christian unaccounted for. And boy, did the police want to track him down. So they were able to track him to San Francisco, where he'd spent a couple of days. Just long enough, in fact, to apply for a job at Starbucks there. And uh, on that application, he listed the Starbucks back in Oregon Good as a reference. Good Lord. Yeah. So by the time they tracked him to San Francisco, though, it was... It was too late. The same day Mary Jane and Madison's bodies were pulled from the water, Christian Longo boarded a flight for Cancun, Mexico. The stolen SUV was found in the airport parking lot. He's leaving a trail, isn't he? Oh, yeah. So he thinks he's smarter than everyone. Well, I, I truly how, believe that he just thinks he's smarter than everyone. How can... I mean, but that thing with the Starbucks... That's just dumb. That is crazy dumb. Yeah. Well, he was having trouble getting a job, and he thinks... I got a. I need a reference. <laughs> my reference. I need the reference from where I stole from all those people. Good grief! I think it goes to show that how much smarter he really believes he is than everybody. Because when he got to Mexico, he didn't really make any attempt to blend in. He did go to a tourist area, right? Like so, because he's blonde-haired, like American, right? White privilege. Guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to Chihuahua, Mexico. Um, he did not. He went to Cancun. He went to, he went to a tourist area. 
Um, but he didn't alter his appearance at all. He went by his own name for most of the time. Occasionally, he went by the name Michael Longo, which is just his middle and last name. He dropped the first name. Um, but he kind of talked to anyone. Like, he stayed at a hostel for a while, and he talked to this Canadian woman. Um, and she thought he was sketchy from the beginning. She thought there was something off about him. And she caught him introducing himself by multiple names to different people. She heard him introduce himself as Mike. She heard him introduce himself as Brad. And she was like, I don't know, something's mm-hmm. up with this guy. So she remembered him. She made a point to remember him. But he told everybody of his plans. He was hanging out in Cancun for a couple days. And then he was headed south to Tulum to check out the ruins. And he did just that. On uh, January 7th, he headed to Tulum. Right after the hostel guests noticed all their money was missing. <laughs> <laughs> so he sets up in, uh, in Tulum. Meanwhile, back in the United States, he's been charged with seven counts of first degree murder. Um, because the murder of the children each carry two counts because they're under a certain age. Mm-hmm. So he, at some point, takes on a new identity. He starts going by. Finally, finally. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. This is the part that I initially had thought you might know about, Christian. Kristen. <laughs> oh, my Lord. What's going on with well, you? Well, his name is Christian. Your name is Kristen. I know that you're my long-term friend. Sometimes she forgets. I don't. So, this is the part that initially I thought you would know about, um, only because it involves a journalist who was, who became famous for being discredited. Um, Which I had two guesses, and they were both wrong. (laughs) So at some point, he takes on the persona of this journalist from the New York Times named Michael Finkel. He carried around a notebook. He told people he was on assignment from the New York Times doing a a travel piece on the ruins. He took notes, um, and he told everyone who he was. Later, and we'll go into this more later. I'll tell you more about Michael Finkel later. But he was fired from the New York Times around while all of this was going on for unrelated reasons because he wrote a story that there were real problems with. So we'll talk more about that later. But he like hooked up with this German photographer and they decided they were going to work together and like do a relationship and travel the world. He's like banging this German photographer. He's smoking pot on the beach. He's drinking every night. He's living in a cabana. He is just having the time of his life. Who's is this photographer paying for all this? No, Christian's got money. He stole oh, from the. He's got the stolen yeah, oh, yeah. hostel, and it, he's probably telling people at this res- every resort, like, "I'll write about this in my story for the New York Times. Give me drinks." Hmm? It works. It I, works. I bet yeah. it does work. I had um, hmm, someone someone I worked with. Uh huh. So that was that was the theory that I told you on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was that he was just yeah. telling people, "I'll write a great story." Yes, and they gave him stuff. Absolutely. So he's living his best life. Like he, everybody thinks that he and this, and and maybe they were, and she thought they were, they thought this was like a very serious relationship. They were in love. They were making plans to travel the world together after he was finished with this ruined story, whatever. Then back in the United States on January 11th, Christian Longo was added to the FBI's 10 most wanted list. And you know what brought him down? 
America's Most Wanted. Yes! They aired his picture, his story, um, the very next day. So January 12th, his picture's all over America's Most Wanted. And this is what John Walsh said about him. Do the John Walsh voice. I, don't, I can't do his voice. Oh. I don't do voices like you, Kristen. Thank you for pointing out my <laughs> my shortcomings. Your numerous flaws. <laughs> yes. Okay, Brandy, you say the line, and Kristen, you say the John I, Walsh. I can't really do a good John yeah, Walsh. This is what he said, though. He said, he's very, very charming. He's, he's very, very, very charming. He's very, <laughs> very smart. He's very calculating. And he's really, really good. At disappearing. Brandy, you put you in a trench coat and say that? I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. And you were saying while you're walking down a dark alley. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> See, I, I wasn't a fan of this show, so oh, I'm, I'm not cluing in here. Wrong. No, what you do for the John Walsh thing, you do your lines of dialogue. Yeah. You're walking. You're moving the whole time. Yeah. And at the very end, you get close to the camera. That's exactly and you what stop. you do. <laughs> That is exactly what you do. That's perfect. Does he does he call people like scumbags and stuff? No, no, no. He's not Nancy Grace. Oh. (laughs) We're not big fans of Nancy on this show. (laughs) Well, hey, I gotta correct something from the from the last time I was on. I said Dr. Phil was good because he was good on the one show. (laughs) Brandy, are you gonna be bro? (laughs) Dr. Phil kind of sucks, Brandy. I I, love Dr. Phil. Oh, Brandy. I started trying to watch some because I had had really tuned in on that last case. I can't watch it. Do you know that he had the frickin' family from Abducted in Plain Sight on there before that was ever a thing? <laughs> Daryl Pitts oh, is not impressed. I am that not thing, impressed. That blew my mind. Well, he, he obviously gets some good guests because he had that, that lady that from my last case, and I was, I was fascinated to see you know she and the, the ex-wife and everything on there together. But I tried to watch about three or four more episodes of it. Oh, it just seemed like trash. You know what I feel like they do? Here's my one beef with Dr. Phil. Too many freaking commercials. That thing goes to commercial every three minutes, I swear. Well, I hope you're taping it so you don't have to watch oh, the I'm commercials. I'm sorry, my VCR's in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> what about your DVD player? Brandy, go. I want you to roll your windows up. I want you to pop your eight-track tape player in your car. VCRs in. Kristen, don't laugh. That wasn't funny. She's making fun of me, Kristen. Kristen, you you jump in here and defend me too. I don't want to be the only Dad, one defending me. from myself. another time. <laughs> okay, so back to Christian Longo. Remember that Canadian woman that was like, something's up with this guy. I'm going to remember everything yes. about Michael yes. Brad Chris. She sees. The episode of America's Most Wanted. And she recognizes him and calls up the FBI. And she's like, that dude is in Mexico and he's up to no good. (laughs) He's Mexico's most wanted now. Yeah. And so they send a bunch of agents on, you know, surveillance down there and like... They surround his cabana. There's like 20 Mexican federales, a bunch of FBI agents, and they storm in. He's got all of these people in his cabana. They're passing back and forth a joint, and all of a sudden they get raided. <laughs> and so I swear, like, Christian, like, flicks his joint off into the thing. He thinks it's a drug raid. Is this on TV because it's America's Most Wanted? You're, you're, no, 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 no. No, this is a reenactment no. you're doing. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I'm doing a dramatic reenactment. I wish you guys could see this reenactment. She is smoking the the joint. She's she's flicking the joint. <laughs> she flicked it toward my closet. Yeah, she, Brandy is. In fact, it was so real. I thought it was him. Yeah, everybody. So everybody hits the deck. Christian is sure that this is a drug raid, and then one of the FBI agent comes up to him and is like. Are you Christian Michael Longo? And in classic Christian style, super calm, super collected, he says, yes, I am. And he... Wait, he thought that all of these agents surrounded his cabana for a couple of joints? I don't know. Maybe he was selling drugs there. Or maybe the people he was with were selling drugs there. Maybe there was more than one joint in the place. Maybe there was another murderer in the cabana. Maybe there was a murderer. Maybe he didn't kill his kids and his wife. Oh, okay. oh that must okay. be it. That must be it. So it's January 14th when he is arrested. He's taken into custody. And uh, they ask him if he wants to fight extradition um, and spend a few months in Mexican jail. Or if he'd like to head on back to Oregon without fighting it. And he's like, I'll go back to the United States, yeah. please. And thank you. Um <laughs> This would later become an issue. He would actually be able to appeal on this because he says that he was not told that Oregon had the death penalty at that time. And that had he known that, he may have fought extradition. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Should that be a, a thing he should be able to appeal on? I mean, I think my thing is more like, that's just bullshit. He oh, would yeah. not have he fought would, no. extradition. He wouldn't have been like, eh, actually, I'd like to stay in this Mexican prison for a while. Thank you. But yeah, technically, if I'm not being clouded by how much I hate this guy, yeah. then yeah, you should yeah. you should know, okay, you can go to this other place, but they have the death penalty. Yeah. So January 23rd, 2003, which happens to be, which I can't imagine that's correct. I'm questioning that date. Who wrote this bullshit, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> um, according to my notes here, on January 28, 2003, he was, which is was his 28th birthday, which I made a point of this because I love poetic justice. <laughs> he was charged, he was indicted on seven counts of aggravated murder. But it's his trial began in March of 2003, so surely that can't be correct. So he was indicted in January. His trial began in March? Yeah, that seems really fast. It does seem really fast. I don't know. I'm not going to question my knowledge at all. <laughs> okay. Surely well, he, he wasn't was just... going to get F. Lee Bailey. He was getting a public defender. So they made Oh, yeah. Go. He got a public defender. Yeah. And uh, his public defenders were none too pleased to have to be representing him. They did not even present an opening statement. They said, yeah, we're ready. Let's go. Yeah. When his trial began in March, first of all, his defense is fucking bananas hold on to your pants while i tell you what his claims are but yeah when the trial began his his defense team did not even issue an opening statement okay that's yeah i think that's grounds for appeal on you know yeah ineffective counsel yeah that really does surprise me that they didn't do an opening statement yeah are you ready for christian's official defense yeah did his legal team come up with this, or was this his idea? No, this is, this is what really happened, Daryl. Oh, Oh, this is what he's telling what happened. It was Mary Jane, not Christian, who had the breakdown. Mary Jane had killed the two older children by throwing them off the bridge. Then she'd tried to smother the baby. 
but she couldn't complete the job. And then, in a fit of rage, Christian murdered his wife and then had no choice to, but to complete the killing of the baby. No. This is the same thing that the guy claimed who stuffed his kids in the oil tankers. Uh, you, guys, yeah. you guys did a case yeah, like this. Chris where, Watts. Chris Watts had a very similar defense. Was yeah, that he, 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 the wife, the wife had it. killed the children, and so he killed her. Um, and then he took uh, off. In a rage. Which yeah. just infuriates me oh, so much. Yes. Oh, yeah. It sullies the reputation of the innocent Absolutely. victim. Absolutely. It's bad enough that these children are dead. It's bad enough that this woman is dead. And then you you try to act like she was the murderer. Yeah. yeah. That's terrible. So, in a shocking move, Christian pled guilty to the murder of his wife and youngest daughter and pled not guilty to the murders of the two older children. Because she had killed because them. Because she had killed them. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Her poor parents. Oh, Disgusting. Uh, the prosecution, of course, was like, uh, bull fucking shit, that's not what happened at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he murdered his entire family so that he could go live the life up somewhere else, unburdened, uninhibited. Randy, I've got to, I got to interrupt here. You don't um, think the prosecutor said bull fucking no, shit? I, I, yeah, I don't think so. And I think, remember, we had an agreement. We had a renewed commitment. I'm not giving you a renewed commitment. Bull sexy time shit. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Brandy, DP, despite being nicknamed DP, is a little sensitive though. about the F word. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it just wasn't mm-hmm. my my. I guess it's my generation. You guys throw it around a lot. The, the younger generation, guys we my age. Well. <laughs> <laughs> guys my we don't we we just don't drop it. Yeah, we don't drop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you call it dropping the F bomb, which is like the <laughs> that is a cool. Thing. Isn't that the coolest way to no! say it? Now, so the renewed commitment, I did recognize that you did say sexy times in the place of the F word mm-hmm. during that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since that time, you've gone right back to it. That's and correct. you're F-bombing right and left. Huh. And there's no excuse for it because I had a renewed commitment that, that you would never say <laughs> the F word again. Is this my punishment? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In the episode that didn't really record. Yeah. Um, we talked about the ways that we were punished as children, and the way you punished me and Kyla was just talking us to death. Yes, and I can do it too. I, you don't have to tell me. We would we would talk about what an appropriate punishment was for whatever they had done. Uh, they would always shoot low, and I would shoot high, and then we <laughs> would negotiate. And I did really. I think part of the punishment was because we weren't corporal punishment parents. We were timeout parents and talk them to death parents. Yeah, which people are always like, oh, that must have been so nice. No, it wasn't. It was not nice. <laughs> it was torture. It was, it was meant <laughs> to be tortured. painful. You it was talked meant to-, to this man for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the prosecution is like, bull sexy time shit. This dude <laughs> murdered his entire family. How dare you besmirch poor Mary Jane's name. Right. Um. And they were able to present a witness, a man who was driving at like 4.30 a.m. on that Lentzloff Bridge. And he said that he had seen a man in a red minivan pulled over to the side and that he had been concerned about that. And so he pulled over and he asked the guy if he needed help. And the guy was like, no, no, I'm good. And so the guy had kept on going. Um, and that was at 4.30 a.m. on December 17th. Yep. Yeah. Two days before the bodies were pulled out of the water. Yeah. 
So the defense team is hating their life that they have to represent this douche canoe. Hey, I've got, I've got, a, I've got an idea here from this, for, for this defense team. Yeah. They should have gone for the, the evil cougar. They should have laid it out that this guy was 17 and she nabbed him out of the high school before he had even been to the prom, to Kristen's point. You know, that wouldn't have been bad. bad. Oh, I would have have gone with, because obviously she's an evil cougar if she has murdered her kids and stuff. So, yeah, that that's not a bad. You think I should have been a lawyer, shouldn't I? Mm -hmm. There's still time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they hate their lives even more when. Christian decides he's going to take the stand in his own defense, and he testifies for four days. God, no. Uh, He reportedly was super relaxed when he was on the stand, often laughing and smiling while recounting bits of his life and history. Gross. And then things took a more solemn turn when he recounted the day, December 17th, what had gone on. And so this is what he said, that that day... He and Mary Jane had gotten in this horrible argument in like the early morning hours, the middle of the night. He, for the very first time, revealed to her all of the lies and crimes of his life and was crying out for help. He didn't know how to get them out from under all of this. It was catching up to him. It was too much. He needed her help. Well, according to Christian, she was devastated by all of this, had no idea, um, and was heartbroken by the years of deception, and so much so that she refused to speak to him for the rest of the day. So he'd gone off to work, and Mary Jane had come uh, when he'd gotten off at 11 o'clock that night and picked him up uh, wearing only her bathrobe. And as they were driving home, uh, still she refused to speak to him, and then she began to cry. And she cried the entire ride home and then when they arrived back at their luxury condominium that they could not afford uh, she begged him not to go inside and he became very alarmed by this and he pushed his way inside and inside the house Zachary and Sadie were nowhere to be found and the baby was lying motionless on the bed he believed she was dead And so he flew into a fit of rage and uh, asked where Zachary and Sadie were. And Mary Jane just kept saying, you did this to us. You did this to us. It's our fault. And then she said the thing that really set him off. She said, you killed us. And then he grabbed her by the throat and threw her against the wall and held her there until his arms could no longer hold her. At that time, he dropped her to the ground and she was dead. And then he went and ran to the poor baby that was laying on the bed and she was taking a breath every now and again and so he attempted to resuscitate her and then he thought, I don't know what kind of life she could possibly have. She's probably brain damaged. She might be traumatized by having gone through this whole thing if she isn't brain damaged. And so he made the decision at that point to help her by killing her. Why didn't he pin that one on his wife, too? I don't understand why he kills the baby. Um, Because it explains the next part of the story. It explains why the bodies are found in two different locations. Clearly, there are two murderers in this case because the bodies are found in two different manners in two different locations. What explanation did he have 
for the guy seeing him right on, on the, the bridge. bridge. None. Yeah. None to my knowledge. Yeah. He just happened to be yeah. oopsies yeah. in the exact spot uh-huh. where his mm-hmm. two older children were found. Were found. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy's full of shit. Yep. In closing arguments, the defense pointed out the very clearly his story is correct because the two the bodies were found in two different locations. And all of that evidence, you know, that the that the prosecution have, it's all circumstantial. There's nothing tying him directly to the murders of the older children. Give me a break. How could you you can't know that it wasn't Mary Jane that did it? Do you guys think that that lawyers who are representing somebody who is obviously guilty kind of half ass it? I mean, Kristen, you could check with your legal expert team that you have uh, that, that monitors the show. But don't you think you'd have a tendency to half-ass it if if you had a scumbag like this and you and he knew he'd killed his kids and his wife? Do you think maybe you go, oopsies, I forgot to do the opening yeah. remarks. <laughs> right. I got, well, yeah, so we know they kind of half-assed it because they didn't do an opening I arguments. Think, I don't know. I kind of feel like you can give someone a good defense but if all the evidence is kind of piled up on one side, even if you give them a really good defense. Okay. I mean, unless you give them like a defense that's so good it's like O.J. Simpson level defense. I'd have a hard time. Maybe that's why I never went to law school. Like, I, seriously, I think I'd have a hard time defending somebody like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And as a public defender, you don't have any choice. No. They hand no. them to you. It's your oh, deal. Yeah. yeah. The jury deliberated for four hours before they found Christian Longo guilty of both of the murders. One juror later said that the circumstantial evidence did not convince them of his guilt. It was Christian's own testimony that convinced them that he did it. Yeah. Yeah. Next came the penalty phase. The prosecution sought the death penalty in this case. They said that Christian was a professional con man and that he had manipulated everyone he'd ever come in contact with and that doing anything but sentencing him to death was dangerous. He would continue to be a threat to everyone he met because you never knew what he was plotting, what he was scheming, and he truly believed he was smarter than everyone. The defense said that Christian deserved some kind of leniency, some kind of mercy. He didn't have, you know... a extensive criminal past. Well, you know, he he only had that one prior conviction. Okay. And uh, he'd been abused by his adoptive father and uh, probably his biological father and probably his mom, who was an alcoholic. So, you know. So they they did everything except the wife. See, I I still would have jumped on that uh, cougar wife uh, defense, but okay. Yeah. The jury deliberated for six hours um, after the penalty phase before delivering their sentence. They sentenced him to death. Okay. Let's talk about Michael Finkel for a second. So this is the identity that he took on for some time while he was living the life in Mexico pretending to be a New York Times uh, journalist. This is what Michael Finkel says on his website. I'm going to read directly from his website how he talks about how he, what happened to him at the New York Mm -hmm. Times, which you hate. I hate this. Yeah. (laughs) And then how he came to learn about Christian Longo and what he was doing. Okay. 
During a New York Times assignment about allegations of child slavery on the cocoa plantations of West Africa, I found that the young workers on the plantations were extremely shy, and when writing the article, I combined several boys' quotes together to create a composite character. Such fictionalization is against the rules of journalism, and when the story was published, an aid agency questioned my reporting, and after I confessed my actions to my editor at the Times, I was fired. Then came a twist, so bizarre and unexpected, that it practically defies belief, yet is completely true. On the same day that my firing from the New York Times was made public, I learned that a man named Christian Longo, who was on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitive list, accused of the horrific murders of his wife and three young children, had just been arrested in Mexico. While on the run, Longo had briefly taken on a new identity, which was not a surprising action for a most wanted fugitive. Except that the identity he took on was mine. He told many of the people he met that his name was Michael Finkel and that he was a writer for the New York Times. I wrote a letter to Longo, who was being held in jail in Oregon, where the murders took place, and this initiated a bizarre and disturbing two-year correspondence, during which we exchanged more than 1,000 pages of handwritten letters, while Longo tried to convince me of his innocence. I became obsessed with discovering the truth of his, truth of his crimes. Oh, really? And <laughs> this obsession resulted in a book, True Story. The book was later optioned by Brad Pitt's production company, Plan B, and adapted into a 2015 motion picture, also called True Story, starring James Franco and Jonah Hill. Which, I think this case is super interesting. I think it's crazy that he took on this identity. That movie is boring as shit. <laughs> I've seen it. It's so fucking boring. That's why I don't go to movies, because <laughs> movies are bad. So, Christian, you have a real problem with this guy's statement because he's like, oh, this poor thing happened to me. It's just kind of frowned upon that I made shit up. Okay, so can you go back to that sentence? Yes. This fictionalization is frowned upon in journalism? Such fictionalization is against the rules of journalism. Okay. Such fictionalization. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to fictionalize no, exactly. at all. <laughs> well, but what he admitted to it sounded to me like was making a composite character out of several characters, uh-huh. which, Kristen, I mean, tell me this. Wouldn't it be even more compelling to have different people saying kind of the same type of thing? Yeah, no, what thing? his point was that there wasn't enough of each. They were so shy. You could barely, you okay, know. Okay, so they must have, he must have been making stuff up, too, because oh, if think, he just yeah, composited he was. the thing. Of course. He that, was making yes. stuff up. Because, seriously, he could have written a really good story here if he would just kind of stayed after it a little longer and gotten enough quotes from enough people instead of... So it wasn't just compositing and it was making up quotes, too, you think? Because that's not what Brandy read, that he made up quotes. Okay. So let's let's pretend that all he did was do a composite. That's something you do for a novel. I mean, that's, Yeah, you that's don't do wrong. it for... And well, I, I disagree with the idea that, like... If you get a bunch of stories, it's way more compelling than one really good one. I think, what's that? What's that quote from that terrible dictator? Like twenty thousand deaths is a statistic, one uh-huh. death is a tragedy, or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. I think if you can get people to, you know, really identify with one one person, character, yes, one person who has this, yeah, it can I, be I very agree. compelling. compelling yes. yeah, but I like it when twenty-two women say they were sexually assaulted <laughs> by a person yeah. versus one. I'm more, mm-hmm. I'm more convinced when twenty-two uh-huh. women have similar-sounding stories. A lot of people aren't convinced <laughs> at all. <Yes. laughs> 
But no, I just I think he's yeah. such an asshat because that's not an apology. It's at not all. an apology at and all. And it's just oh, it's against mm-hmm. the rules of oh, journalism. Who knew? Everybody, Any, yeah. I'm not a journalist, and I know that's against the rules. Everyone off the street knows yes. you can't just make shit up like that. Yeah, but Brandy, you had one semester of criminal justice, that's so I'm, true. I'm guessing that's true. you're way ahead of the curve. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think so. So apparently, those letters and conversations between Michael and Christian um, resulted in Christian telling many different versions of how his entire family wound up dead. But Michael believes that he got one version that comes the closest to the truth and is basically a full confession to all of the murders. And I guess that's in the book. Christian currently sits on Oregon's death row. However, while Oregon does still technically have the death penalty and 35 inmates are currently on death row, they have had a moratorium on the death penalty since 2011. 34 men and one woman on Oregon's death row. Dudes are bad. <laughs> Who's the one woman? Uh, I actually have their website pulled up. Here. I just didn't know if we would have heard of her. No, I had never heard of her. I did oh, okay. I did check her out. Think how bad she has to be. So here's here's something interesting. So the 30, 33 of the men are actually held on death row. Um, the one woman is held somewhere else because she can't be held on mm-hmm. death row with 34 men or 33 men. And then one of the men requires dialysis and so he is held at a medical facility. That's not really fascinating. I was going really, <laughs> to say the it same seems like, interesting. Not oh, it's really. Not, no, not at all. No. Sorry. <laughs> Brandy's I just can't believe like, you said that because I was sitting there thinking, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> she acts like she dropped a truth bomb on us that was meaningless to me. <laughs> that was interesting. Brandy's going to pack up her laptop oh, and go home. She's, she's pissed. She's Yo, pissed. Uh, uh, Kristen, it's you and I the rest of the way, no, I'm afraid. No. Oh, no. How's those? Cheese doodles treating you. you Cheese doodles are are laying in in the tummy very comfortably. Okay. You guys, my dad overdid himself on some cheese doodles, so we're just hanging in here. Well, in my defense, Sherry went to Costco or Sam's Club or one of those places, and, you know, they've got like a five-gallon jug of cheese, uh, those little cheese ball thing (laughs) that are delicious, by the way. And you can basically have those for dinner. You just hit it too hard tonight, huh? I I had those for dinner, and... um, You know, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. (laughs) As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, this story comes almost entirely from an episode of 2020 called A Family Affair. Love 2020. And a smidge from an article from our favorite journalist of all time, Skip Hollinsworth. That's right, for Texas Monthly. 
It was October 1st, 2012, in Katy, Texas, a suburb of Houston. It was a quiet Monday afternoon at the First Community Credit Union, and there were just seven people in the bank, and they were all employees. All of a sudden, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I have a real problem with that. Okay, yeah, last Why are there so many employees there? Well, seven doesn't sound like a bunch. I it mean, is, that's a lot. To have, to have no customers, yeah. Yeah. It's a Monday afternoon. What are seven employees doing hanging out at the fucking bank? I'm the sexy time bank. <laughs> Randy wants to bring an engineer in to do <laughs> a time just, study. Okay, here, I think here's this, where this comes from, okay? I spent a lot of years in management and controlling payroll. Uh, to me, that sounds like a ridiculous amount of workforce for your payroll's got to be through the roof. Send them home, right, Brandy? What you say? I like the Bobs from Office Space. <laughs> that Office Space. See, what now, do they do here? Hey, I don't watch many. I, I don't watch many movies, but that Office Space that is a classic right there. That is some good stuff. Oh, it sure is. Thank you for I bringing that up, Norman. Well. All of a sudden, a silver Ford Focus pulled up to the bank. Two men emerged. I drove a silver Ford Focus when I was in management. That was my company car. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably Are you getting flashbacks? Up. It's probably me rolling up to find out why their payroll's so high. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't be bragging about your Ford Focus. Are you like Are you like Michael Scott off The Office? Didn't he have like a Sebring and he thought that was the hottest car well, going? Mine was, uh, mine was free. Well, well, yeah, so was his. So it's was a, his, and he thought it was the hottest lease. car going. No, I did not think mine oh. was. I was like, yay, free car. I only had one job in my life that had a free car, oh, and it was, was pretty sweet. It was a terrible car, but it was sweet having a free car. It was sweet having a free car. It was a Ford Taurus. It was a Ford Taurus. It broke down in the middle of the Chihuahua Desert twice. Oh, that's awesome. That's not good. No. So, and once when we were trying to catch a flight. Yeah, we're trying to catch a flight, and so we left it in the desert, and the family picked us up and took us in to oh El Paso. <laughs> it was uh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have good transmissions, those Ford Tauruses. Mm. I don't think they make them anymore. Do they? Oh, yeah, I, they, yeah, they still make the no, tours. It's no been way. Re, it's been yeah, it's been redone. They still using that same transmission. Well, I don't fucking Brandy, know. I'm not who's paying the... you, <laughs> Big Ford? Big Ford. <laughs> okay, so Brand. Now we know Brandy's beholden to Big Ford. Yeah, no, I'm concerned about the payroll of this bank. It's really <laughs> where we're at. Well, so so were these guys who walked <laughs> in. Up in the... They were concerned about the amount of money in this bank. Oh, okay. So these two men emerged. They were wearing bright orange construction vests. They had on blue latex gloves. One guy had a painter's mask on and a walkie-talkie clipped to his shirt collar. And the other one had this terrible fake mustache. How do you know it was fake? Just hang on to your pants there, Wait a minute. Is it where the glasses and the nose and the mustache are all hooked together? Yeah. Was the Daryl Pitts look? No, it was just the... I don't have a mustache. What are you talking about, <laughs> the Daryl Pitts look? It's clean shaven. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sherry is anti-facial hair. Anti-facial hair. Hmm. Brandy, you're not anti-facial hair. No, I you? like a beard. Sherry? <laughs> Kristen, anti-facial Hello, hair? Hello, my name is Kristen. <laughs> You've been called Christian and Sherry on this episode. It's like we're all acquaintances. It's like we were put together for one podcast episode. You're a did composite network, character. Yeah, did network people put us together? <laughs> What's your feeling on facial hair? I don't really care. I, I like a beard, but it's got to be a well-groomed beard. You can't come at me with a homeless beard. Oh. 
homeless turn it right up. Rude. <laughs> well, you're, that's your business hair. I mean, do you guys yes. do, you do uh, guys' uh, beards? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. I should that. show you a before and after of David. <laughs> oh, you put him. You know, Sherry does the eyebrow treatment on me. Well, that's thank that's goodness. her, and she cuts my hair too. I think I mentioned that. I think she, you're due for a haircut. That's maybe oh, the longest I've seen oh, your hair. Don't oh. you think? Yeah, you're, yeah. You're talking smack on Sherry now. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I think that's the longest I've seen your hair. I'm I'm gonna ponytail it. <laughs> Man bun it. I'm gonna. It's <laughs> gonna look really good. Actually, when it all when all that's you have to be a real low pony. <laughs> I think the listeners need to understand. Yeah, I, I got no, maybe like a quarter a inch of hair. Thing where the braids start way back here. Do you think he knows it looks like? <laughs> How would he? How would he? You <laughs> can feel it, right? <laughs> well, people... Or Kristen, are you your tin your tin foil hat? Or do you think Stevie Wonder can really see? No. What? Yeah, that's is a, that that's a, a conspiracy oh, theory? Yeah. No. If you if you get on YouTube right now, there's a bunch of videos out there that are like sh- examples of like where he has reacted to stuff that maybe he wasn't supposed to be able to react no. to those. You know what I'm conspiracy theorying about right now? What? It's Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, heck yeah. No, no. I, no. You know, mm. you got to trust the medical experts. I mean, the medical expert said he, he hanged himself, so go with it. Don't waste any more time, Kristen. Well, I'm not you wasting this. <laughs> Just back off. <laughs> Don't look any closer. <laughs> Bill? Jeffrey Epstein paid my dad a bunch to go live out in Missouri. <laughs> Bill and Hillary and I, we, we are uh, not involved at all. Oh, Norman, what do you think? Can Stevie Wonder see? No. <laughs> That's the worst conspiracy. That I mean, is, yeah. There's a, a whole thing about it. Well, people are people don't have enough to do. That's, that's true. That's but a waste I do of time. think someone should tell them that the braids don't start until way far back. You're doing it right now. <laughs> Here, somebody. He's t- a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> maybe maybe people are telling him it looks good. Hmm. Like, I keep telling myself this hair looks good. He may they may be telling him your hair looks good, Stevie. You're fine. I do think. Maybe once you get to a certain point in life, no one's going to tell oh, you Oh, absolutely. Truth. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's going to tell Stevie Wonder his hairline's receding. Yeah. No one's going to tell Oprah anything, except yeah. for Gail. Yeah, Gail will. I think Gail will tell her. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Kristen, do we, do we want to talk about how you're the, you tried to Gail me? What? I tried to Gail you? Yeah. When did I try to Gail you? You tried to talk me out of my chest tattoo. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God! You and Norman are the most evil people on earth. Actually, Norman, can you come over here and talk into the mic and tell the people what you did? Oh, he's walking I'll so give, slow. I'll give up my seat for Norman to come and uh, tell his story. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Norman. Hi. Okay, so last week. Uh, I was texting with Brandy because we both wanted to see scary stories to tell in the dark. And you knew if you asked mom for permission, she'd say no, so you had to ask Brandy. (laughs) Kristen wouldn't see with me, so I had to text Brandy. And I was like, hey, do you want to see it tonight? And it was Saturday. And she was like, no, me and David are getting tattoos. And she she texted, I'm getting his name across my chest. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. So I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. And I was like, hey, let me prank Kristen with this. <laughs> so I came home, and I was like, Kristen, has Brandy talked to you about 
tattoos recently? Kristen was like, no, what's going on? I said, she's getting David tattooed across her chest. Kristen was like, no, 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 that, that she's not doing that. So I pulled up the text, but I, I scrolled only to the part where Brandy said, <laughs> I'm getting David tattooed on my chest. And Kristen bought it, and she was convinced Brandy was getting David tattooed across her chest. So Kristen texts me. I, w- she I was said, flipping out. She said, Brandy, period. <laughs> Brandy, period. Yeah, and I said, Kristen, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> and she said, Norman told me about a tattoo. You're, are you really getting David's name across your chest? And I said... Oh my gosh, no, 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 no. I'm getting it real small, like under my collarbone. Just a little one. <laughs> a little you one. are evil. <laughs> so then I agonized. She, I she was pacing back and forth. I was. And she was like, well, what should I say? What should I say? And I was like, well, you can't really tell somebody what, what tattoo they should get. That's kind of a personal thing. And you asked if I wanted your opinion. Yeah, so my, my solution, because I was like, Norman sold this to me as she's getting it done in like three hours. Yeah. And so I was like, do I drive to her house? Do I, you know, like. And she was getting a legit tattooed in like three hours. And well, and I was like, do I, do I tell her? I, and I was like, is her body her choice? But this is the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> so. So I did text you. Would you like my, yeah, would, would you like to hear my opinion? And I said, of course I want your opinion. And then you did not send anything for a very long time. Because I was writing the she novel was writing of a lifetime. a huge novel, super stressed about it. So I was just like, okay, I can't let you agonize no, so over I, this. I wrote it all out. Then I read it out loud to Norman. And he started cracking up laughing. He goes, I can't let you send this. She's not really getting tattooed. <laughs> Uh, and that's the story of my evil husband and evil long-term friend. That's right. <laughs> and then they made me go see that movie, and it was terribly scary. Pretty scary for a PG thirteen. It was. Movie. It was pretty. It was good. I liked it. Yeah, I I didn't really like it, but you liked it as an independent, like as a if it, was, thing. if it was its own thing, it would be a good PG thirteen horror. But like, I think I think it should be an anthology film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did we say the name of the movie? Yeah, or Scary Stories to Tell okay. in the Dark. Okay. Um, for yes, the record, ma'am. I did get tattooed. I did not get David's name tattooed on me. Don't give Correct. me that look. I was concerned about you. You thank you for your bag. concern. <laughs> right. I got Mary Poppins and Bert. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Be, I'm gonna go be an engineer again. Okay. okay. Thank you. That was a good intervention story there. I appreciate hearing that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was Gail to you. You yeah, you I totally like, were. I was you like, were like, this is bad. She's gonna probably hate hearing this, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell her anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Brandy, if I would have been involved, I would have said, why don't you shorten it to Dave, save a little money? Not have David, Dave. Your concern would be, this sounds expensive. Yeah. <laughs> sounds expensive. Let's, is it charged by the letter? I think it is. I think it is. And I think you could save some money with Dave. And I do appreciate the idea of going a little smaller. Yeah. You were thinking maybe go with two or three inches high, David across the chest. Just a smaller one would look much better and would uh, be nip cheaper. To nip. nip to nip, Kristen. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. I don't feel comfortable in this environment. <laughs> nip Sorry, nip. dude. <laughs> so back to the story. I don't even know where we were. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Terrible fake mustache. Wow. Okay. So one guy has on the painter's mask. The other guy has on the terrible fake mustache. One of the bank employees saw these two guys walk in. And at first she was like, hmm, what are they here to fix? 
but then she saw the older one had a gun. The older dude immediately took charge, he yelled, Hands up! This is a robbery! The younger dude jumped over the counter like a gazelle. The young one said, Give me everything you've got. I've got bills to pay. What? <laughs> I've got bills? That's just a terrible line. Did he practice that in the mirror? I bet he did. I didn't you know he did! <laughs> With his fake mustache. Yeah. And the bank employees did as they were told. They handed the robbers everything they had, including some fake bills, which had serial numbers that investigators could track down later. Mm-hmm. Smart. Hey, well, did they give him those those ink packet things? Yeah, dye packs. That, yeah, dye packs. The robbers specifically said no dye packs, no GPSs oh. either. So they were on to those Seasoned. two things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they didn't say no fake bills. Right. No. Oh, they should have. No funny money. <laughs> oh, that's the term. That's the that's term. term. No funny money. I've got bills to, to pay. pay. See? Brandy, you are ready. Have you been working on this at home? No, I have said multiple times that this is a terrible crime. Bank robbery is horrible. It's like so not worth it. It's like second in line to art heist. No, art heist, you can make so much no, money. I disagree. <laughs> How does she know? How does she know you because can't I've make... Because I've got a garage full of <laughs> stolen art I can't sell, Kristen! You've got the Isabella Stewart <laughs> Gardner <laughs> Museum heist. It's in your garage. It's in my garage and I can't offload it. <laughs> okay, well, I finally agree with you. Brandy, we can't put your house on the market with all that stolen art in the garage. You're going to have to your offload. Your house is going to go for millions. <laughs> so this robbery was so fast. Every 30 seconds, the older guy's walkie-talkie would go off, and a woman's voice would say, 30 seconds, one minute, hurry up. They rounded up the employees and put them in the office. The older one went after the branch manager, who evidently was not worried about payroll payroll at all. all. (laughs) He held the gun on her and told her to open the safe. And she was like, sure, no problem. My payroll's out of control, take the rest. (laughs) I'm about to get sacked anyways. I can't get my payroll under control. <laughs> got seven employees hanging out on a Monday afternoon. But before she got up from her desk, she pressed the silent alarm. Mm. And then she They didn't went, say no silent alarms? Yeah. This, these guys are not as good as you think. Hmm. Maybe they did, but I didn't come across it in my Skip Hollinsworth article or my Twitter. Well, and even episode. if someone says no silent alarms, you just, you know. Okay, no problem. Sure. Oh, oh, I accidentally tapped that silent alarm. <laughs> Look over there. (laughs) So here's the really weird part of the story. This is the part where you flip out. So this happened. It's so ridiculous. This happened at like one o'clock in the afternoon. So some of the bank employees were still on their lunch break. There's fucking extra employees hanging out on this bank. So this is part of the seven, Brandy. Don't don't lose it. I assume it's part of the seven. Well, we can't be certain. There's probably nine employees in this (laughs) bank doing nothing. So two of them were in the break room, like heating up their lean cuisines, and that's when they noticed this red alarm light start flashing, and they started watching the robbery on the closed circuit TV in the break room. So they're literally watching their workplace get robbed. So what did they do? Kept eating that link was in their life. <laughs> they were like, this break's going to be real fast. <laughs> no, so they took diligent notes yeah. on what these robbers looked That's like. Genius. 
Because I think that that might not be your instinct to do that. I think right. that's really smart. Well, and especially when it was this fast. Good thing they had nine employees there on exactly. a Monday afternoon. This is why you need so many employees. <laughs> Eventually, the robbers ran right past the break room with the bags of cash. They busted out the back door, and the employees who were hiding in the break room went over to the window, and they watched these guys run down the alley. They saw them haul ass, and then all of a sudden walk very leisurely (laughs) to their silver car. (laughs) And they got in the car where someone was sitting in the driver's seat and drove away. The robbery had lasted three minutes, and they'd gotten... $29,000. $29,000. Okay, that's nuts. That's a ton that's a of money. That's a ton of money. For a robbery. Yeah. Robberies, you, you're you lucky to get five grand. Yeah. Okay, well, I, yeah, I've got a story. I went into a bank one time and tried to, to try get... To try to rob them. <laughs> to try to rob them. <laughs> and I said, I need $11,000. And I might as well have, have asked for a million. No, I, I, I went in. I was, I was paying somebody cash for a car or something. And... They looked at me like I was crazy for asking for eleven thousand in cash, mm-hmm. and they said, "You got to call ahead two days ahead, and you can't. We can't give you eleven thousand. We don't even have that much." I'm like, "You don't have eleven thousand dollars cash on this, in this branch?" And then I looked around. I saw there were seven people there, Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> so the police were pretty disturbed by this robbery. These criminals had been fast, competent, and fearless, and it all sounded pretty familiar. There had been another bank robbery a while back, two months earlier in Texas. In that robbery, there was also a young robber and an older robber. And in both of these robberies, the bank employees were like, man, those two robbers had a special bond. Father and son. (laughs) They seemed to know each other so well. Mm -hmm. Immediately, they began scouting around the area, trying to find eyewitnesses. And they did. There was this chiropractor nearby. Dr. Lambert Collins said he saw, I love this, he saw these two guys dressed like construction workers trying to be all casual, leaning against the wall of the bank. (laughs) And he was like, nobody does that. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. Are they on smoke break? Because a lot of times you can't be near the doors. So you have to be, you know, away from the doors. Yeah, did one, okay, here's my question. Did one, like, lean up and (laughs) have, like, one James Dean style? one, like, bit at the knee against the wall and the other one kind of out? The other one was whistling a tune. (laughs) See, when Brandy is acting this stuff out, I think we got to be on YouTube. Because they got to see Brandy acting these parts out. Flicking the joint, you know, leaning against the wall. Is that what's holding us back? You guys would be YouTube stars. You'd, you'd put Norman to shame. So they're, you know, trying to act all casual against this bank, and they look so sketchy while they're doing it that Lambert goes over to them, and he says, Hey, how you doing? And they're like, We're good. And Lambert looked at the younger one, who again was wearing the fakest mustache of all time. And Can he goes, you describe the mustache? Is there a picture of the mustache? I wish. The picture I saw was too grainy. So Lambert says, nice mustache. <laughs> and the guy laughed, and that was the conversation. It wasn't until Lambert was talking to the FBI that he learned that he'd actually been talking to the robbers. But who were these robbers? Oh, that was... Since I'm, thank you. Since I'm following the timeline that 2020 laid out for me, let's go back in time to 1986 in McMinnville, Oregon. Scott Cat and Beth Worrell were a young married couple. 
They had a nice four-bedroom house and two young children. Life was really good. Hmm. My boy and a girl? Yep. Hmm. <laughs> Brandy's really putting it together now. Yeah. <laughs> the second retail. <laughs> he wasn't paying attention at all the first time. <laughs> so life was good until it wasn't. Beth was diagnosed with breast cancer, and in very little time, the cancer spread. She died two years later when the kids were five and two. It was horrible. Scott didn't take it well. He did a bunch of cocaine. He drank heavily. But that's not taking it well. Do you think that's taking it well? No, I don't. But when you say he didn't take it well, like he, you know, went into a depression. He couldn't get out of bed. Not like he... He's self-medicated, Brandy. With okay, coke. He, he took it horribly. Are you okay? <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> so, but he managed to hide it all from the kids. Well, they're five and two. What are they, sleuths? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that is a fair point, Daryl. <laughs> we got Harriet the spy. <laughs> and one of the kids from Read All About It. <laughs> See, you guys are talking above my head now. Harriet the Spy. I have no clue. Read about it. (laughs) Track down all the clues. (laughs) Guys, I'm going to describe this. They are dancing in their chairs. Imagine dancing on your buttocks. That's what they're doing. Oh. Imagine it. Imagine. (laughs) Imagine it, if you will. (laughs) What are you Googling now? Read all about it. Oh, we're not going to get stuck on this, are we? A Canadian educational television show. Ooh, that aired from 1979 to 1981. We were watching old. Yeah, it was. Well, remember, we would make fun of it because the kids all were dressed dorky. But then. It was so good. But it was such a good show. (laughs) We couldn't make fun of it for too Uh, long. They played them. Like, we watched them, like, every Friday in Mm -hmm. fifth grade. Yeah. Take off, eh? And you could bring any snack you wanted. yeah. It was called Read All About It Friday. <laughs> and Brandy always brought corn nuts. That's my favorite. That's snack. that's the good choice. Yeah. No, it's disgusting. Except the cheese balls would be better. Oh, no, gosh. Not after what happened to you today. <laughs> <laughs> Not after what my toilet went. <laughs> hey, I was fine. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could say the same about the toilet. <laughs> We're back down to one toilet. <laughs> that Wait a minute. Nice Are you... while it lasted. <laughs> Are you poop shaming me? <laughs> Do not be poop shaming. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know that was a category. <laughs> so, according to this total bullshit from 2020, the kids had no idea. Despite they, their super <laughs> status. I'm assuming this is when they get older. That two-year-old really should have caught on. <laughs> I'm disappointed. <laughs> this younger generation. Yeah. Millennials. <laughs> so the kids had no idea he had a drug problem or a drinking problem, and neither did anyone else because he was the perfect dad. Mm. He made them dinner. He was the president of their swim club. He took them to church. Perfect dad. Wait, oh, Christian, mm-hmm. I think you missed the assignment. What? We're supposed to do an episode about bad dads. Oh, just just wait Not for it right here. Not the perfect dad. <laughs> well, we're already doing cocaine, so <laughs> oh, okay. we're, we're on the right track, Brandy. I just hate when 2020 does their thing of like, it was the perfect life. No, it wasn't. No. <laughs> Until one day. <laughs> 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 
perfect completely. No one has any idea what's wrong with him, except for the fact that he never disciplined his kids. And when they became high school age, they were basically allowed to drink mm-hmm. whatever amount of alcohol they wanted whenever. I'm- he got a couple DUIs, went to rehab, his car was repossessed, he was in and out of work, the house got foreclosed. You know, just normal stuff that no one would ever notice ever. Yes. You know, on that uh, d- didn't discipline the kids. He should have had those long talks with them. Oh gosh, had yeah. them renewed commitment. Renewed commitment. Um, think of the punishment that is appropriate for what you've done. See, and you said earlier that when you would ask Kyla and I what our we thought our punishment should be, that we would always undersell. No, I would always oversell. Do you, did Kyla undersell? Well, you guys probably tried different. You probably tried different methods. The conversation oh, faster if I was like, I think I should be put to death. <laughs> and I said, No, this is a non-capital punishment house. <laughs> Back off of that. So one day, Scott got a phone call, and it was a recruiter. An oil company in Texas needed an engineer. Did he want the job? Wait a minute. This guy's got an engineering degree. Apparently. And he's robbing banks. He's a structural engineer. We don't know that he's robbing banks yet, Terrell. Yeah, that that was oh. a total surprise. <laughs> no one had put it together. Everyone was thinking he was the perfect guy. No, your listeners are sharper than you think. They're they they like those little kids. <laughs> this two-year-old didn't figure it out, but the average listener has put this together. So he moved to Texas, and Hayden and Abby both... Okay, one site said they both dropped out of high school. I think Abby dropped out. I think Hayden had actually already graduated. Eventually, both kids came to Texas to live with their dad. Scott made good money, but it wasn't quite enough. But don't worry, guys. Was he still doing coke at this time? Um, I assume, because he did have a side hustle. Mm. And the side hustle was bank robberies. <laughs> what? And I what? kind of assume Coke habit goes hand yeah. in hand with that. Okay. In fact, he'd robbed five banks in Oregon. He never made much money, but it was super easy to do. His dad had been a loan officer at a bank, so Scott had this higher than average amount of knowledge about mm. a bank. The inner workings of a bank. That's pretty smart. He knew that bank employees... Stop, stop complimenting <laughs> the criminals on this episode. This guy seems really sharp. Brandy, these, in the bad dad episode, the dude is the one who's bad, okay? So I think I am impressed when people have, like, the forethought to figure things out that I never would have thought about. Or, like, I, I would never even try to work a scam on anyone because I'd be like, well, they... What? I think... They wouldn't, they'd figure it out. Like, that's my, that's That's my the thought. only like, thing stopping you from not scamming well, people? No, no, not at all. I mean, there's, you know, ethics and blah, 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 blah. Oh. Moral fiber and all that. Yada, yada, yada. Brandy's yada, yadaing ethics. Mm, that's the best part, Brandy. He knew that bank employees comply with robbers and that all the money in the bank was federally insured. Yeah. He knew that he'd never actually fire his gun at anyone. So... Victimless crime. No. Victimless crime. It's not. It's a victimless crime. Victimless crime, Brandy. (laughs) It's not, though. Because that teller doesn't know you're not going to discharge your weapon. Yeah. Well, and somebody's paying for this money. Exactly. It's it's not like it comes from... Money doesn't grow on trees. That's big business. He never made more than like 10 grand. He was usually more like five. Mm -hmm. What Scott really needed was 
just some help. He needed an accomplice. He needed a getaway driver. And if he just had those two extra people, he could rob the tellers and get into the vault. Who would catch him? It was perfect. The only problem was, where do you find two people who you can trust like that? Uh, you birth them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like I like this guy's thinking. Now think about this. So he's he's got this family business. It's Robin Banks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants to bring the kids in. Brandy, this reminds me. Your dad has a business. <laughs> he does. Your sister works there. She does. See, this is a. They good... don't rob banks, to my knowledge. They <laughs> sell cocaine. <laughs> So just like Brandy's dad, who is providing an opportunity for the next generation, this guy's doing the same thing. Boy, Tim's going to love this. (laughs) We should add that it's a legit business. It is a legitimate business that they run. So Scott goes up to his 20-year-old son, Hayden, and said, Would you be willing to do something to make money that is more illegal than selling drugs? Hayden's like, boy, would I? (laughs) So Hayden said yes, and that's when Scott let his son in on the plan. We could rob banks together. We could make so much money. It would be so easy. Hayden could intimidate everyone. But Hayden said, but Dad, I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't intimidate anyone. That's the weirdest thing. I love it. I think it's hilarious that he was like, no, the only reason we can't rob banks together is I'm I'm gay. gay. So Hayden says, but Dad, I'm gay. And Scott is like, hey, we can cover up your baby face. You'll be really intimidating. Uh, Why? Because he's like large and in charge? Like, is he... So... He jumped over the counter like a gazelle. He can't be that big. Okay, here's the thing. Hayden is really tall. Uh I can't remember if he was 6'2 or 6'4". But, I mean, he does have kind of a baby face. I mean, he's only 20 years old. Yeah. What if they put the Hitler mustache on him? That oh would be intimidating. Yes. You want to? You don't wow. see that. You don't see people wearing those. <laughs> okay, you know what? That would be really disgusting. Yeah, you see <laughs> a, big, a big a guy. young, skinny, white guy with a Hitler, Hitler mustache, mustache. That would, I would And run. his dad's got a gun. This is intimidating. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Hayden was hesitant, but Scott was like, look, I've done this before. It's super easy. Eventually, Hayden came around. And that was very important because Scott wanted Hayden to talk to 18-year-old Abby about becoming their getaway driver. So Hayden went to Abby and said, Abby, we need your help. You're a crucial part of this money-making scheme. Will you help us? Abby said, sure. You might be thinking, gee, Scott seems like a pretty bad dad. What with the convincing his kids to start a criminal enterprise with him? But you would be wrong. Hmm. Because Scott was helping his kids gain self-esteem. Exactly. Brandy, I go back to your dad. This is just like your dad with the business, helping the next generation along. He was helping them to see that with hard work, they could get an instant reward. And he figured that if they could pull off some fruitful bank robberies, maybe they could use that money to start a coffee shop together. (laughs) Is that really what he thought? Yeah. This goes back to your Starbucks uh, coffee experience. It goes goes back to, like, we're going to do this bad thing, and eventually we're going to make it right. Yeah, it is kind of the same. Uh (laughs) Their first robbery was in August 2012 just a few months before the robbery I just talked about. Mm -hmm. They robbed a bank like two blocks away from their apartment. 
For this robbery, Scott and Hayden wore visions in white. They had on white painter's overalls, white gloves, painter's masks, guns, a black trash bag to hold their money and their chapstick. (laughs) Abby had only recently gotten her license, and she could barely drive the stick shift car. But you can't pick your family. Was that the only car they had available? Yeah, I mean, this was their first bank robbery. They had to get well, the money a for the car. Plan. Wait a minute, they they're, two, driving they're two blocks away. Why do they need a car? Well, you can't leave the scene on foot, well, Daryl. You, you strip that stuff off. They got clothes on underneath. You strip that stuff off. You look but like a homeless carrying... man carrying a, a big bag. You're a homeless man carrying a big bag with a fake mustache. Hitler mustache, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that won't raise red flags. <laughs> Should have taken a note from the phony pony bandit and gone on bicycle. Uh, yeah, you're right. Did she uh, wreck the car? Is that what you're going to tell us? No. Oh, no, she, she did just w- like went like. <laughs> yeah, it was just <laughs> terrible. They were jumping. <laughs> well, probably the police were scared. They're like, stay away from that car. <laughs> so that robbery went great. They got like seventy grand, which is what oh, is unheard oh. and, of. And I've got money in the bank, and I can't get eleven. Exactly. <laughs> So Scott, Hayden, and Abby Don't were thrilled. Don't show them your ID and ATM card yeah. next time and see how much you can get. See, <laughs> this makes me think they were lying to me. They had $11,000. What kind of bank? How did they get that much? Do you want to take notes from them? I don't know. I don't know. But they, I'm, they blew through that money like... So they, they partied. They bought cars. They bought a motorcycle. You're not going to believe this, but uh, they ran out of money pretty quickly. Yeah. Within two months, the seventy grand was gone, and oopsies, they'd forgotten to buy that coffee shop. Mm-hmm. So they needed to pull another B job. Oh, God. Oh, Brandy. Brandy. for bank Brandy. robbery. Brandy. <laughs> That's oh. like, oh, my God. Oh, Brandy. My father is, okay. is here. Is it? <laughs> okay, that's no, that's number two on the. I'm in the Me Too movement here. You get the nipple to nipple, and now you got the BJ. That's what Kristen said. I said nip to nip. Oh, oh, totally different. Totally <laughs> Sorry for misinterpreting what you were saying. Brandy is wildly inappropriate. What you, you call it a bee job? <laughs> That's your job. That's a bee job. Brandy, that wasn't that wasn't funny, Brandy. No, I I'm seriously I'm, no. I'm not making this up. Oh, you That's are too. It's You're... like a handy J. What? <laughs> Brandy, stop. Crit- oh, hey, house. where's your HR department here? Uh, a chore need... around the house. <laughs> Three inappropriate things. I'm only I at least Norman's here in the room with me as my witness when I go to human resources. All of our listeners are your witness right now, Dad. Oh. Well, here's my concern. You're gonna cut out all the dirty stuff that Brandy says in front of me. Oh no, I'm no. I'm leaving that I'm leaving in. That. <laughs> so yeah, just as Brandy said, they started their new beat job. The family bee job. Handy job. What was her next one? Handy J? Handy J. So Abby went in the bank to get the layout. Then she and Hayden. We're at one of those points, folks, where Brandy can't stop laughing at her own joke. We're going to have to cut some of this. It's not even my joke. 
<laughs> right now, Brandy's been laughing for 20 minutes. And we're just, we're just now coming back. We're coming back. So, Abby and Hayden went to their local Home Depot to buy the disguises that Scott and Hayden would wear. And because this is a family full of geniuses, they paid for the disguises with Scott's debit card. So smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they didn't use that fake currency, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the night before the robbery, Hayden went to the parking lot next to their apartment and stole someone's license plate off their car. Then they taped the stolen license plate over their actual like, license plate. Sh- scotch tape. Yeah, just on some there. scotch tape. <laughs> So that when they did the robbery, they'd have one plate number, and as they were driving out of sight, they could rip that other one off. Mm -hmm. Then comes the part you've already heard. They did the robbery, went perfectly, except, much to their amazement, when they got home, they realized that one of the license plates, which they'd put on with tape, had fallen off. What? (laughs) You know, they got a lawsuit against 3M there. (laughs) Bad tape? I'd, I'd, I'd sue that 3M company. Now I'm in prison because of your bad tape. <laughs> so it had fallen off at the scene of the crime, and it had Hayden's fingerprints all over it. Mm. He hadn't used gloves when he taped it on there, Ah, huh? uh, no. No, he sure hadn't. Huh. Thinking not so smart? No. But how did police catch the family? didn't take them long to figure out that those construction vests that Scott and Hayden wore looked really nice. Like, brand new, fresh out of the package. They were still had the, they still had the fold marks oh, yeah. on them. So they found out that the local Home Depot sold that exact vest and investigators combed through the recent purchases and they found out that two of the vests were purchased using a debit card. And the debit card belonged to Scott Cat. So... Okay, Skip Hollinsworth was like, they did a background check. But 2020 was like, they looked him up on Facebook, yeah. which I think is what is more accurate. So they looked him up on Facebook and saw that he was like 50. But then they looked at the surveillance footage and they saw these two young people. So what do they do? They start clicking through his Facebook profile pictures and, and they, they <laughs> see him with his two kids who were in the surveillance oh footage. Oh my gosh. If you're doing sketchy stuff, you should not be on Facebook. Yeah, I agree. Why would you have a social media presence yeah, at all? You, yeah, you don't want to. You're a sketch guy. Also, why wouldn't you pay with cash for your robbery disguises? Dumb. Well, I'd, dumb. Be, he's, he'd, I'd be afraid to be using that fake stuff. Didn't he know? He no, didn't, he know, didn't he, know. He didn't know he no. had fake stuff Mm-mm. at this point. Well, well he, had, and he, he didn't, doesn't have the fake stuff yeah, yet. Yeah, he, he hadn't uh, done that robbery he's yet. prepping for that robbery. This, this stuff that's not in chronological order really confuses an old guy like me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's the tw- it's 2020's fault. Yeah, yeah they always start Do off with some them? ending thing. Yeah, let's sue them, sue the tape, <laughs> sue Brandy for traumatizing all of us. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. It didn't take long for police to arrest Scott, Hayden, and Abby. When police approached Scott, they said, you're under arrest for bank robbery. And Scott said, which one? That's a terrible response. That's a good comeback right there. (laughs) Keep in mind, at this point, they only knew about the two Texas robberies. Police searched the apartment. And, like, they already knew they had the right people, but, like, this this made it too easy. So they go through the apartment, and they found all these bank straps, which are those straps that go around wads of cash that say the date, the dollar amount, where they're from. They found those things scattered all over this apartment. So instead of, like... So it was just... they needed to 
tidy your house, it sounds like. Well, they didn't dispose of the evidence of their yeah, crime that's at all. A terrible idea. And even worse, the the police found bank straps from Oregon oh in there. Gosh. So they were like, okay, this is more than just Texas. Yeah. This is happening everywhere. Then in case that wasn't enough evidence, they also found a scrap of paper. It read, this is a bank robbery. All we want is the money. 20s, 50s, 100s, no alarms, die packs or GPS. They spelled die, D-I-E. Mm. Or you, family, and coworkers will be hurt. In other words, the apartment was a treasure trove of evidence. And thanks to the Oregon bank straps, they knew that the crimes weren't limited to Texas. Yeah. Investigators sat down with Scott, and once again, he made their job super easy. Scott had the right to, the, to an attorney, did not exercise that right. Scott said, I'll tell you everything that happened. First of all, I always thought that a bank was federally insured, and it was a victimless crime. And it seemed like an easy crime. Police asked him about the robberies outside of Texas, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So at this point, there's this dry erase board back behind him. So he stands up, grabs a marker, and he's like, okay, let me think back to the first one. So he starts making a list of all these banks that he's Why? robbed. <laughs> he's coming clean, Brandy. The first one he robbed was the one that his dad retired from. <laughs> what? Okay, and I didn't include this when I told you guys this story on Wednesday, but from that first robbery, they they got a shot, like a grainy surveillance uh -huh. shot, and they printed it in the paper, and Scott's mom saw that in the paper and said, well, son, that kind of looks like you. <laughs> and he, he was like, his pants he was right just like, then. oh, yeah, I guess it kind of does. And they never talked about it because she never really thought yeah. it was him. Oh, my gosh. So that first one, he walked away with $2,500. So, you know, Scott's listing all the banks he's robbed. And why not? The statute of limitations had run out on all of his Oregon robberies. Mm. So he's telling the officer. I hate the statute of limitations. I do too. It's like, I, oh, it's not a crime anymore. I don't understand I don't that understand at all. It, it at doesn't all. make any sense. It, no, it doesn't. So the officer is like, okay, but which one of these did your kids participate in? And he said, none. They never participated in the Oregon robberies. So they wrapped up the interrogation with Scott. They let him leave the room, and they brought Abby in, but they didn't erase the board. Mm -hmm. She saw what was on there. She cried. She defended her dad. She said he was the only parent she'd ever known, and that she felt like she had to help him and Hayden with these crimes. So she didn't seem to understand the level of trouble that she was in. In her mind, she was just the driver, just doing what her family asked her to do. She doesn't have the legal background that we've got, so she didn't understand. From watching 2020. Yeah, she didn't watch 2020 enough. She didn't go to one semester of law school, mm -hmm. didn't have one semester of criminal justice. Clearly not. One so, semester of theology. Yeah, well, six hours. I, I'm not going to go. And remember, I dropped that pre-law class in um, undergrad, too. So Yeah, that adds up to something. I'm yeah, not sure you, what. You put, all, you put all this together, and we know that the getaway driver is pretty much in trouble all the way. Oh, it's oh, yeah. Equally culpable. That's exactly right. So Texas has an accomplice liability law, which means that if you intended to be part of the robbery, which she definitely yeah. did, then you can be charged just like you're the ringleader of that robbery. Mm -hmm. Police also talked to Hayden, and Hayden told them everything they wanted to know. 
everyone in this family spoke freely to investigators, and they all faced five to 99 years. That is a hell of a range. I agree. I think it's kind of a crazy range. Well, you you gotta give, you know, you gotta figure out who the leader is and, and hit him with the high one. And then you 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 got to go to the lower end of it when you talk about Abby there and mm-hmm. and uh, even even the brother. What's the brother's name? Hayden. Hayden. I mean, he's he's in there. He's probably well. He didn't have a gun though. No. So yeah, that's the other thing you got to take into account: gun, no gun. Okay, that, uh, that's leaping why, like a gazelle over the countertop. Yeah. How much? How much does that add? That's pretty intimidating. Well, if you're wearing a Hitler mustache, it's big time. <laughs> If you've got some kind of phony baloney, the Hitler mustache, woo, you get ninety (laughs) nine. So fast forward to 2013. Scott was sitting in jail awaiting trial, and he agreed to do an interview with 2020. He also agreed to an interview with our good friend Skip Hollinsworth. And Scott told 2020, oh, I'm so ashamed for dragging my kids into this. Their mother would be so upset. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, what have I done? I would do life in prison if it meant my kids didn't have to do time. Okay. Right. That's totally believable. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You can't really... That's not negotiable. It's not how it works, but okay. It sounds great. A month passed. The entire family was still in jail, and Abby's lawyer reached out to 2020 and said, Hey, you know, Scott's been writing letters to his kids, and they're not exactly I'm-so-sorry letters. They're more like, hey, why don't you kids agree to do more prison time so that I can get out sooner letters. Okay. Not how it works. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not like a, this is cumulatively how many years you yeah. guys, well, you guys divvy it up between yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you decide. It's not like, my mom packed a turkey sandwich in my lunchbox. Yeah. Can we try? yeah it's ridiculous. It's, it's so, so stupid. Dumb. In one letter to Abby, Scott wrote, as long as you're ready to do some time, I think it will better my chances. I hope. Okay. So I... Wait a minute. Are you saying he's a bad dad? <laughs> I'm saying... I, my personal opinion is that he's a bad dad. So I'm not sure exactly how this broke down with 2020. I believe they did one episode with them, and then this shit came out, and then uh-huh. they came back and did a follow-up. So they go back for their new interview. This time they're super pissed. And the interviewer is Matt Gutman, who we talked about on Wednesday Ooh. as okay, Brandy's wait. high school crush. My high school crush, Matt Gutman. Every every guy Brandy had a crush on in high school looked like Matt Gutman from ABC's 2020. Let me. I got to pull up a picture of him. Yeah. Just, let me just take it in for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy, you've already said some inappropriate things. Do not get this picture in front of you and say something inappropriate. No, he just legit looks like every guy I had a crush on. He looks like Jake Ryan. Is Jake Ryan a guy you went to high school with, Brandy, no, or somebody Ryan else? Jake Ryan is a hunk from Sixteen Candles. <laughs> so Matt Gutman. Although his neck looks ridiculous in this picture. What's wrong with his like, neck? Why is he standing in front of a fire right here? Because he's your high school crush, and you totally would have had that on a poster <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> I love how Brandy acts like, oh no, uh, I, don't. I don't like the fire behind no. you. Norm. Wildly inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so the interviewer showed him the letter that Scott had written to sent to Abby, and Scott's like, Oh, where'd you get this? And he looked at it and he starts stuttering and he's like, 
Well, yeah, I'm trying to manipulate. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to get so everybody something they can live with. Did he mean to say negotiate, or did he mean to I, say I manipulate? Hope so. I mean, obviously, the truth is manipulate, but <laughs> yeah. but he had to have meant negotiate. So here's exactly what was said on 2020, Matt, with dreamy eyes. <laughs> Wouldn't most parents say, I'll take the entire blame here? <laughs> Scott, I would love to, but they have so much evidence on everybody that what are we supposed to do? That is the dumbest statement. Yeah. What, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I just blame it all on my kids yeah. because there's so much evidence on all of us. That's so no. dumb. So here's the sick thing. Abby told her dad that she would do more time for him. Ugh. If that's what needed to happen, she would do it. Again, not how it works, but she he asked for it. She was willing to give it. So in another letter back, he was like, thanks, a bundle. Really appreciate it. You're a good kid. And then he told her, hey, when you do your interview with 2020, make sure you exaggerate about me. Tell them I had a dual life involving drugs, alcohol, and women so we can fuck with them a little. I'm sorry, Dad. He did not say sexy times. <laughs> oh, because you're a journalist, you have to use the actual words. I'm, not in, a, I'm not in a journalistic capacity were, here. I'm retelling say, 2020. <laughs> wait a minute. You're saying 2020 dropped an F-bomb on... No, on, they, they bleeped it. They covered up... Yeah, they covered okay. up the... Okay, let me know when you're going to drop an F-bomb. I'll beep over here. Thank you. So the interviewer read this stuff to him, Chris Hansen style, and Scott was like, my goodness, that last part was a joke. Okay. But it wasn't a joke. Again, it was more manipulation, although I don't think he really has to say, oh, play up the dual life. If he went to rehab right. and like, all, yeah. yeah. It sucks plenty. You don't have to play it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were pretty you shitty. Were shitty. <laughs> you were shitty enough. <laughs> So Scott says he was just trying to get some sort of movement on his case. He just wanted to get the wheels of justice a rolling. Mm. And they did. After months of negotiation. Oh, my God, Brandy. <laughs> These are the wheels of justice. Again, the vision of Brandy being like a big choo-choo train. Is what she's, and she's rolling down the track. I thought was doing like a more like a Proud Mary thing. No, you looked like it a looked like Thomas little, the Train. Little engine, engine that could is what you looked like. I looked like the Asian engine that could. <laughs> <laughs> After months of negotiation, Scott, Hayden, and Abby all agreed to plea deals. Hayden got 10 years, Abby got five. A month later, it was time for Scott's sentencing. Although technically the statute of limitations had run out on the Oregon robberies, they could, the court could still factor those crimes into his sentence. Scott got 24 years. He and Hayden were both sent off to state prison. But the Fort Bend sheriff knew about Abby's story, and he felt so sorry for her that he said, you know what? We're keeping her in the jailhouse. Let's not send her to state prison. Wow. He felt like she was really a victim in all this. Well, only being 18, I, I, I kind of get it. Uh, she's not had great parenting. She's 18. She felt maybe compelled. So she's still going to do her five years, though, right? Let's find out. And is that lap of luxury? Is that what that No, that jail I think is? it's just like in a smaller setting than prison. That's really the only difference, right? So in this episode they had Nancy Grace on, which mm -hmm. okay. Mm. That was that out loud. <laughs> Nancy Grace was on twenty twenty. Yeah, so they're doing kind of a newish thing where they have like 
I guess normal people don't make the best interviews all the time. Sometimes you have to do composite sketches. No, so sometimes <laughs> they'll have like <laughs> they'll have like I don't know pers- TV personalities retell the story and so she's on there and she's like you do not want to go to a texas state prison so she's acting like very good Good imitation thank you thank you you could be on saturday night live if nancy grace was a big enough deal to be on saturday night live and if they really lowered the bar (laughs) (laughs) so in jail abby enrolled in the ged program she learned how to sew and in september of 2015 after almost three years in prison she was released she went to a li- to live with a woman named Susie gregory she was the jailhouse's volunteer sewing instructor Susie believed in abby let her live in her house So Abby had this great second chance. She said she was going to enroll in nursing school at a local community college. What could go wrong? Mm. Well, for one thing, Abby was not used to living with rules. Mm -hmm. And Susie had rules. Abby had to have a curfew. She had to go to church. Abby was not thrilled. Yeah. Well, early 20s is kind of late to be slapping this stuff on a kid, I think. So. Especially if you've never had rules, rules before. before yeah. Especially if your high school rules were yeah, you drink as much as you before, want. And now you have Texas Christian rules. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Abby was not thrilled. She ended up totally disobeying the rules. Finally, Susie said, look, if you don't come back, I'm going to change the locks. Abby didn't come back. So, ultimately, Abby went off and got a job driving a pilot car for Wide Loads in Laredo, Texas. And that's where she met a man named Ricardo Gonzalez. So this dude had a huge rap sheet, and they showed a bunch of his mug shots, but the first one they showed was really scary because he had all these cuts all over his face. Yeah, he didn't look great. But guys, a crazy thing happened, okay? So one night, she and Ricardo went to a gas station, and, you know, darn the luck, Abby fell asleep while Ricardo was pumping gas. Uh-huh. And oopsies, she woke up to police banging on her window because, you see, they informed her that Ricardo was robbing people uh-huh. in the street. Abby had no idea. She was shocked well, because she'd been asleep. Time. Oh, okay. So Abby was never indicted in this whole thing. But associating with this dude, along with piecing out on her parole officer, was for sure a parole violation. So she went to jail in Laredo. And um, she's out now. She has a boyfriend. She, I think she's given birth. And Scott and Hayden are still in prison. That was the weirdest thing I've ever said. I I I think she's given birth. I didn't even know she was pregnant. (laughs) I'm sorry, I realized I skipped over a bunch of stuff in my notes. All of a sudden, she's having a baby. Is it an immaculate conception? <laughs> that she's, Jesus uh, fetus. she's got a boyfriend. I think she's giving birth. <laughs> I, I had in my note, she has a child. And then I was like, well, you know, she was pregnant in that episode. But I don't know when they filmed that episode. <laughs> so Scott and Hayden are still in prison. And that's the story of a family business run by one bad dad. Yeah. Both of these dads Ooh. were bad. Bad. I can't, bad, bad I can't dads. stick up for bad dads. I can't do it. And you don't have to. Yeah, no, we did not bring you on to defend the dads. Now, are you? Are we getting past your bedtime here? No, I am. I'm hanging there. It's after dark. It is after, <laughs> it is after dark. dark. Um, you guys may have noticed the cicadas earlier on in the yes. episode. Um, Dad, we have some 
questions, and I don't mean to intimidate you, but they come from members of the Supreme Court. So, which whoa. I'm not allowed in for some reason. No, you're you have to pay seven dollars. Anyone who pays seven dollars, you're too cheap. To <laughs> well, By the way, you are the only parent who's not a member yeah. of the Supreme Court. How does that make you feel? Yeah. Sherry, Speaking of bad dads, <laughs> Sherry reads it to me. Here's what I thought. I thought my contributions on the show would earn me a Supreme Court nomination. Mm. Oh, wow. Not so? These are not uh, merit-based. Yeah, $7, dollars, $7, sir. We're going for the Felicity Huffman uh, <laughs> buy your <laughs> way into <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, the American Greed. Love it. They've got the uh, episode about the college admission scandal, oh. and it is sweet. Okay, I will watch it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Are you ready for some questions? I'm ready for the questions from the Supreme Court. Okay, Kate wants to know, (laughs) do you really wear Costco sneakers? Okay, right now I am wearing, Brandy, say what this brand name is. Those are Timberlands. Timberlands. I paid $100 for Timberland sneakers. It's the most expensive shoe I have ever bought. 99% of the time I am in $15 Costco Bright white tennis shoes like all cool guys wear. Okay, Brandy's face right now. I'm I'm with you. For a solid six months after he bought these shoes, I did not I thought someone was messing with me. I I texted Kyla, I called my mom because I did not believe that he would spend a hundred dollars yeah. on shoes. Is there a story behind it? Well, we go hiking yeah. when we go camping and a really good pair of shoes is kind of important and, uh, and uh, yeah so you don't fall and die so i bought these timberlands <laughs> so the that costco are, ones weren't gonna cut it he goes slipping and sliding but yeah. he, saves, he saved some money <laughs> so uh i got these timberlands so i don't always wear the question was do you really wear i do wear them yeah um, this is not a joke this, this is not a joke not, I'm a, really joke. not a joke in fact on i think on one of my accounts that's my profile picture it is on Twitter. On Twitter. And then also, uh, when we recorded on Wednesday, Kyla posted a really sweet picture of you from that day in your Costco bright whites with your socks pulled up to your damn thighs, I swear. That's <laughs> what we wore them back in the day, Brandy. <laughs> Andrew asks, Mr. Pitts, it is an honor to ask a man, oh God, so wise as yourself, a question. Mine is simple. What is one of your favorite silly memories of the girls when they were growing up? 
Silly memory. You know, for some reason, it keeps popping in my mind, you guys running between houses going trick-or-treating. Yeah, I knew yeah. you would say and there, that. Yeah. There was like five of you, and I was there to make sure nobody, no one slipped a uh, razor blade in your in the apple <laughs> for you. Jeez. But you, you little, you know, little girls, running from house to house. Yeah. Uh, I'd steal some candy from you, chocolate only. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys would cry about the stolen candy that I was taking from you. <laughs> But I would only take the best of the best. But it was it was a blast watching you guys just have fun running through the neighborhood, uh, you know, getting your little sugar high there in uh, in Lenexa, Kansas. It was fun. Well, it was fun. fun. God. Okay, so Kate asked another question. What's your most embarrassing story about Kristen? And I wrote back to her, wow, what a question. It'd be a shame if someone deleted it. So we're just going <laughs> to pretend that didn't happen. Um, Jalen wants to know what what color socks do you wear with your sandals? <laughs> I do not own a pair of sandals. I have Thank never God. never owned a pair of sandals, and I'm insulted that I would be asked about a sandal question with socks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Stephen asks, which Dr Pepper do you prefer? Dr Pepper Classic, Dr Pepper Cherry, or Dr Pepper Mixed Berry? I didn't even know there were other Dr. Peppers. I am a Dr. Pepper purist. <laughs> and so. Just the DP, no Just the cherry. DP. Don't be throwing fruit. <laughs> How dare you? Whoa! I'm saying awkward things. Wait a minute. More. <laughs> Whoa! I need to. Sp- I'm going to get my lawyer. <laughs> Dad, I'm going to need you to do more time for me, okay? <laughs> Donald says, to go on what Kate said above, Kristen, what's your most embarrassing moment or story about your dad? <laughs> you need to chronicle this, Kristen. I, I told him it would be a five-hour episode because I can think of some... <laughs> a five-hour episode. Okay. Go ahead and give one. Okay. The one that pops into my mind, it's not, it's not like the most embarrassing, but I just remember at the time being like, oh, God. It was... Um, I think my sophomore year of college and designer jeans were like the thing. If you were cool, you had designer jeans. And so for Christmas, I asked for a pair of designer jeans. Mom got me a pair from Nordstrom. I opened them up Christmas morning. Do you know this story? No. Okay. I opened them up Christmas morning and I was like, ah, thank you. I was so excited. And you were like, hey, 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 just so you know, you can't wear them yet. So you, you worked for Hallmark Cards for many years and Hallmark has a nice high-end department store that sold designer jeans. Mm-hmm. So you were like, you can't wear that pair. We've got to return that pair. We'll get you the same pair, but it's going to be from Halls, and I'm going to get 20% off. And I was like, yeah, okay, all yeah. right. So, like, <laughs> the next day, we were going to go to Nordstrom, just you and me, to... <laughs> I do not remember this at all. <laughs> I know, I know. I, you were not embarrassed to return these designer jeans. So you were like, hey, come on, we got to go, we got to go. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't have a bag for these jeans. And they were like $120 jeans. And you grabbed a hen house sack. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, let's just put them in this. And it was like, I felt like too much of a brat to complain. So I was like, Hen okay. house is a grocery store for those one. <laughs> a grocery sack. So I grabbed this grocery sack with my designer jeans. We go into Nordstrom. It's packed. There's a huge line. 
We're waiting in line with all these, you know, nicely dressed, fancy ladies. And I'm wearing Costco shoes. I'm sure you were. And you're just, you're kind of huffing and puffing. You're kind of angry. You were like, I'm going to get the discount here. We're not going to have to go to Halls. And I was like, Dad, stop it. That sounds exactly like me. <laughs> That's not like you. And you were like, no, I'm going to ask for the discount. And I was like, I was already about to die. Like, Dad, do not do this. We were in this huge line. So you get to the front and you were like. <laughs> was I really smooth and suave? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> you said, let me tell you what I'm about to do here. Mm-hmm. So you set the hen house sack with the jeans <laughs> on the counter. And you're like, we're just going to take these jeans and go across town and buy this exact pair somewhere else for 20% less. Unless you can give me the 20% off right here. And she was like, she was very nice about it. And she was like, I'm sorry, sir. If I were to give you a discount, I'd have to give you were pissed. And I was just dying. Mortified. (laughs) Kristen, I do not remember that at all. I know you don't. But that is exactly what I would do. That's exactly what, because I always like to tell whoever I'm trying to convince, here's my next step, unless you agree with what I'm saying. And it never works. Oh, it does. It works all the time. No, it doesn't. There's no way that would work. Well, not at Nordstrom's, obviously. (laughs) Oh, okay. Alyssa wants to know, Kristen and Brandy, what is your favorite DP memory as kids? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um. Oh gosh, there's so many. I this one that comes to mind is so dumb though. What is it? So it's <laughs> so we used to go. We used to go camping all the time. Yeah, we'd go camping yeah, with you guys, time. and you guys had this really this nice camper. And I always slept um, in the like the kitchen <laughs> table. The dinette, that, went yeah, down the dinette, to yeah. A, that's yeah. where I slept. Well, in one of the campers that you guys had, like the the bench thing where the were the that folded down had these like snap on buttons at the top it was just like a little trim they were just like these little buttons that snapped on and i was like sitting there one day i was snapping the button on and off and you were like brandy knock it off <laughs> and like everybody laughed like oh and she's just snapping the button on and off what's the, what's the big deal and then you were like don't no, no guys guys Serious business. <laughs> serious business. Oh, you guys have good memories because I said I said serious business all the time. You serious did. business. Leave the button alone. <laughs> <laughs> he must have thought it would affect the monetary value if that button had been snapped too many times. Were you wearing out my camper? <laughs> Those buttons had a limited snap. <laughs> snaps in them. <laughs> you know, at the factory, they check those. Yeah. And they're only good for about 100 snaps. <laughs> And you know he bought that thing used, so someone had already snapped it many times. Oh, what a wonderful memory, Bobby. <laughs> of all the memories, here's one where you snapped it, Brandy. <laughs> My favorite Sherry memory is where she yelled at me for sneezing in the camper. <laughs> it was like a Well, I will tell you, when Sherry hits the sack, it is bedtime for all. Yeah, everyone had better be dead asleep. 
So she used to fall asleep at like nine o'clock at night. And In a you, camper. Yeah. And if you woke her up at nine oh five, she would assume it was three in the morning. Yeah, so yeah. we were like, we were all being quiet, but we yes. were like laying and I sneezed. <laughs> she woke up. And she, girls, girls, <laughs> it's time for bed. <laughs> you know that is something. Our whole lives. She will fall asleep. You know, you're, you're, I'm watching TV. She falls asleep, and she'll wake up at nine thirty. Yeah, yeah. And say, Daryl, it's the middle of the night. Go to bed. Well, I think that about wraps up yes. the questions from the Supreme Court. Thank you, guys. Excellent so questions. Fun. Those were great. I'm questions. glad you have more insights into Kristen, Brandy, and myself. <laughs> uh, I do want to share one more. Yeah, one more DP story from okay. from camping. Okay. We um, we always brought our bikes, and we would. I got this new bike one year, but my like, I had gotten it like at a garage sale. It was kind of broken, and I was riding this bike, and like I was having trouble with it, and I felt dumb because I couldn't like get it figured out. And we we're like old enough that I should have had yeah, no problems yeah. with this bike. I could not get this bike figured out, and I was having trouble keeping up with you guys and whatever. And so we come back after a bike ride, and you and Sherry were going to go out for a bike ride, and you're like, "Hey, Brittany, I'm going to borrow your bike because you guys didn't bring your own bikes." And so. You come back and you're like, your bike is stuck in the highest gear. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, you gotta get this thing fixed. <laughs> now, I assume this story is going to end that I was fix. I fixed your bike. No, I had to everything. get a part replaced on uh, it, but I did get it replaced after so that. I was hoping. It's so funny. <laughs> Why can't why can't it be a fun? I see. No, it was. It is a fun memory. Yeah, like you made me feel so much better because I just felt like dumb that I was having problems with this bike. Because we like, were probably at Knob Noster yes. where we biked everywhere, uh, yes. and we wanted to go super fast. Yes. And you were on this impossible bike. Yes. Dad, you were the hero of that story. Well, I was hoping I was the hero that I fixed the bike, and Brandy said, "Oh, Daryl, you should great. we edit this in?" Yeah. <laughs> Wow, so dad fixed the he bike. He fixed my bike. Oh, my gosh. What a guy. What a good guy. Wow. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for Supreme Court inductions. Woo! Okay, if you are wondering how you can get inducted to into the Supreme Court, don't worry. Kristen's about to tell you how. <laughs> All you have to do is join our Patreon at the Supreme Court level. It's $7. You get access to bonus episodes. You get into the Discord. You get to ask random questions like, happened today. All kinds of fun stuff. If that interests you, head over to patreon.com slash LGTC podcast today. Don't delay. Today we will be reading names along with favorite words. All right, if everyone could please stand and hold your left arm behind your back. <laughs> Jordan. Onomatopoeia. Jessica. Oh, <laughs> so sorry, Jessica. Nonetheless, goodness <laughs> gracious, Dustin Gibbons. And Dustin, uh, how dare you? <laughs> okay, I think he wrote something in Hebrew. I think it means demon. You have to say the word, Kristen. I can't. <laughs> I simply cannot. <laughs> or oh, <laughs> it doesn't say demon. It says. <laughs> I'm sorry. Denom from here. <laughs> it's what is at one's feet, I guess. Dustin, how dare you? How dare you? I feel so dumb. I feel like I'm driving around on a bike at the highest speed. 
Brook. Hence. K. Nordhausen. Endoplasmic reticulum. Shannon. No. Ryan Allison. This gave me trouble on Wednesday. Brobdingdangian. <laughs> it means something of tremendous size from Gulliver's Travels. It's the big people in Gulliver's Travels. Why couldn't he uh, like, like the opposite Lilliput? of the Lilliputians? Yeah, why couldn't he like them? I can say that just fine. <laughs> Travis Bell. Indeed. Jess Shore. Bougie. Welcome to the Supreme Court! All right. Thank you guys for your support. If you are wondering how else you could support the show, head on over to our social media. You'll find us on Facebook. You'll find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit, Patreon. Once you've done all those, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. And then uh, be sure to join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the 2020 episode, A Family Affair. The Texas Monthly article, I Would Only Rob Banks for My Family, by Skip Hollinsworth, and the Cat Family Wikipedia page. And I got my info from an article by Elizabeth Engstrom for the Crime Library, as well as CrimeMuseum.org and Murderpedia. For a full list of our sources, visit LGTCPodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.